2: everybody, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno, and thanks for listening. For the next four hours, uh, we hope to inform, entertain, give you something to think about. Hopefully you can give me something to think about. But uh, I so often begin this show, or end the show, with asking questions. And I have a question for you at 800-848-WABC. What is, in your opinion, the least biased news source in America? 800-848-WABC. Now, you can uh, pick a personality or you can pick a... Me, a, a media outlet like Fox News, Newsmax, MSNBC, CBS News, whatever you want to pick. Or it could say you could say uh, a personality like uh, Shepard Smith or um, whatever the case may be. Because there is a group called Ad Fontes Media, A-D-F-O-N-T-E-S Media. And they have put together a media bias chart, okay? And they rank 1,452 total news sources. And they have a chart going from most extreme left to most extreme right. That's the horizontal, left to right. But they also have uh, on the very top, um, the vertical aspect of the chart, I've linked to the chart at facebook.com slash moranofan if you want to see it, facebook.com slash moranofan. They also at the very top, Go from original fact reporting to fact reporting to complex analysis or mix of fact reporting and analysis all the way down to contains inaccurate slash fabricated info. So ideally, if you're looking for somebody that's accurate, you want to be right at the top. If you're looking for somebody that's accurate and offers original uh, reporting, you want to be at the top. And in the middle. So you can take a look at this chart. And you could rank the media outlets that they came up with. Uh, And I'd love to hear your thoughts even if you haven't seen the chart. Now, I just searched. They ranked. um, They did not rank WABC in here um, from what I can see. And I don't know that they ranked me. uh, But I think one of the personalities that they did rank. I actually completely agree with Michael Smirkanish is smack dab in the middle of the uh, left versus right spectrum. And he falls sort of in the middle on the analysis versus original reporting aspect of things. So I was pleased to see I I found that pretty accurate. Uh, Some of the other the other personalities that they rank. I largely do agree with as well you see um a lot of uh, so on the right, in terms of inaccurate information, they put alex jones on the on the right end of that, and he's in the uh he 's not only biased but he reports inaccurate uh, inaccurate information apparently I completely agree with that. Uh, even though he does some interesting content, stuff that I find interesting, uh, they put him on the right in terms of bias and on the bottom in terms of inaccurate facts. On the left, in terms of inaccurate facts and media bias, they put uh, Jimmy Dore, the Jimmy Dore Show. Now, I haven't seen enough of the Jimmy Dore Show to know uh, whether he reports inaccurate uh, could, or misleading information, but he's certainly on the far left. So this strikes me as as pretty accurate. So um, you ideally want to be in the middle. But I want to ask your view. Who do you think is the least biased news source in America? Uh, the criteria go from most extreme left to most extreme right in terms of bias and in terms of reporting, original fact reporting at the very top, to contains inaccurate slash fabricated info at the very bottom. What do you think? Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me begin with Michael in Ridgewood. Hello there, Michael. Hello, uh, sir. The thing. Hello, can you
3: hear me? Perfectly,
2: Michael. Perfectly.
3: Okay. The first one. I like to be in with a lady, the late Lynn Samuels. Well, we're talking about people that are. Hearing we're, we're, we're talking about people in, that are
2: on the air now, Michael.
3: Well, I would have to say I haven't
2: listened to anybody that are on, live on the air now. Okay, well, that's very helpful. Thank you, Drew in White Plains. Who is the least biased news source or personality in America?
4: Hmm. I would say maybe NBC or New York One, because I think Errol Lewis is pretty much down the middle. Well,
2: they do most. They're doing mostly national. Uh, these are all national outlets, from what I can tell. Uh, as far as NBC, it's interesting. CNBC, according to this chart, ranked very high. It uh, it ranked oh, yeah, it, it ranked. That's about money. Right. It ranked towards the middle. In terms of bias, and it ranked towards the top in terms of uh, fact reporting. NBC News, though, did not do as well. They ranked um, NBC News as skewing left. In fact, they ranked NBC News as skewing more left than ABC News, CBS News, uh, or or you know most of the major um, so called objective media outlets. Yeah, they did they did do the pretty NBC. well. The NBC News did do pretty well. In terms of reliability of fact reporting, so while this chart said they skew left, they did rank pretty high in terms of factual reporting.
4: Yeah, I think I even think that you guys went. I mean, today kind of showed me that it definitely leans right because I didn't hear anybody talk about the fact that Trump is about two seconds away from being indicted. So it's like,
2: mm. well, on NBC, you didn't you didn't hear anything about that.
4: No, on WABC.
2: Well, that's because Trump's not two seconds away from being indicted. I mean, uh, the state attorney general said that the Trump organization misled bank and tax officials, but that would be be purely a civil case. It has nothing to do with a criminal indictment.
4: But they clearly said they don't want to testify in a civil case because it could affect their criminal investigation. That was clearly stated.
2: Yeah, but where did you see it reported that they were close to there was close to an indictment? Because that's completely inaccurate.
4: Well, I saw that all over the news. Today. Well, what's one? I give me
2: one. Give me one news source that you saw that on.
4: Um, news Twelve Westchester.
2: So you say that News Twelve Westchester said that Trump is close to being indicted?
4: No. Okay. Well, let me rephrase that. They said that this. They don't want to testify because it could affect. His indictment, meaning like they could cross like the testimony from there could affect his indictment. That was basically what was said be being used in his indictment.
2: OK, so so far, I just did a news search, a Google news search of uh, Trump mm-hmm. indicted. And so far, um, I, I, I see one article. From the New York Times um, that that mentions the word indict and that's a headline hyperbole or fraud. The question at the heart of the Trump investigation. And then if you actually open the article, um, it says uh, in terms of the word indict, it says uh, I'll tell you exactly what it says. It says, in July, the district attorney's office indicted the Trump organization and its longtime chief financial officer on unrelated tax charges. There's no mention in any news outlet, liberal, conservative, or moderate. There's no mention anywhere that Trump could be indicted by the Attorney General, because that's not what she's saying in this. And I think you're contributing to the misinformation, quite frankly, Drew, by saying that. 800 wabc I want to know, do you agree with this list, this chart, this interactive media bias chart that I have just posted at Facebook.com slash MoranoFan? Now, they rank podcasts, they rank TV and video, they rank websites and articles. In terms of skews right a little bit, skews left a little bit, they rank on political bias, and they rank on accuracy. Where do you? What do you think? If you had to pick the least biased and the most accurate news source in America, what would you pick? 800-848-WABC. I'd say what did very well is The Hill. The Hill did very well. They came right in the middle in terms of bias, and they came right in the middle in terms of mix of facts, report, fact reporting and analysis. Um, Associated Press did pretty well. Reuters did pretty well. Bloomberg did pretty well. Wall Street Journal, they did fairly well in terms of the fact reporting, and they skew right a little bit, according to this chart, in terms of, uh, in terms of bias. NPR News Now I'm not sure how that's different from the regular NPR. I think that might be a specific podcast. They did very well in terms of fact reporting. They ranked higher than anybody in terms of fact reporting. So take a look at the chart, eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc That's 800 And tell me uh, what you think about it. You can look at it at Facebook.com uh, slash MoranoFan. Take a look at it. Let me know what you think. Billy is in the East Village. Hello, Billy.
5: Hi. Um, yeah, I think the most uh, objective uh, reporting and not only objective, but accurate and most informative is the PRN, Progressive Radio Network, which is led by Gary Knoll. Do you know Gary Knoll at all? Uh,
2: yeah, he, I, I, he's like a, a conspiracy theorist, right?
5: No, no, yeah. no. He you you have to just listen to him like like for
2: he, he's always peddling those supplements and stuff.
5: Uh, no, no, he, he, he puts out the truth. Okay. okay. That's, that's what he does. And it, 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 you know, if you can't handle the truth, <laughs> uh, maybe you can't handle him, but, but it's, it's really amazing what, what, what you hear that, that you know, no one else is telling the truth that he does. Because well, well, give no us an example, for, give
2: us an example, Billy, of uh, a truth that Gary Knoll has told that nobody else has. Uh,
5: okay. Um. Uh, well, when Anthony Fauci was saying uh, take um, AZT for AIDS, he he was saying no, that's poison. It was a, a drug originally in, invented which stops the production of DNA, which is you know if, yeah, if you stop the production of DNA in cancer cells. Okay, that's good because it can't reproduce itself, but it just stops the production of all your uh, all the cells in your body, and you fall apart. I witnessed I, we all witnessed Rex Hudson falling apart literally on TV. So, but he went the other route. Uh, right. Massive amounts of, of intravenous vitamin C and all, all kinds of other things. Okay,
2: th- that's one vote for Gary No. I I have heard Gary No. Um, he is if you're not familiar with him, he he's not listed on the chart. He advocates pseudoscientific alternative medicine, and he produces a line of very questionable dietary supplements. Now, he's very hostile to evidence-based medicine, and he's accused the medical community, as you heard from the caller there, of being in a cabal with the pharmaceutical industry to suppress novel treatments for economic gain. He is – it's been reported anyway – by media outlets like, um, you know, uh, really on the left and the right. He is an HIV and AIDS denialist who believes that nutritional deficiencies are the causative agents of all illnesses and has promoted a lot of fringe diet-based treatment regimes for curing AIDS and other illnesses. He is strongly anti-vax. He rejects the scientific consensus on water fluoridation, genetically modified organisms, and electromagnetic fields. Now, it's not to say that he's not fun to listen to, because, look, we do some crazy stuff on this show, too. Um, he, He could be fun to listen to, but I don't think anybody should listen to Gary Null and think that he is speaking the truth, because what he's saying has been repeatedly proven to be inaccurate Time and time again. You know, it's funny. There's nothing wrong with listening to Gary Null or Alex Jones or Jimmy Dore. As long as you know what you're listening to. You know, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And I still like to watch pro wrestling from time to time. I don't follow it. I don't know who's who. I don't really know who all the champions are and all the federations. But I like it. And when my wife was pregnant, um, I was watching a documentary about a wrestler, a pro wrestler, a great pro wrestler. We've got to get him on the show, Mick Foley. Uh, he was Cactus Jack. He was uh, Mankind, Dude Love, some other people. And um, he was talking in the documentary about how he first got into wrestling because he'd watched wrestling on television with his father. And uh, my, my wife was pregnant at the time, and she asked me, are you going to watch wrestling with our kids? I said, absolutely. And she asked me the question, how did you know when you were watching wrestling as a child that it wasn't real. How did you know uh, when you were eight, nine, ten years old that it was o- it was not okay to throw a chair at somebody or uh, or body slam someone in school? How do you watch wrestling at five, six, seven and not do those same things to kids in real life? And my answer was, I have no idea. I just knew that it was not really the thing you should do. It was not real. You shouldn't take it to heart. I did though. We'll get back to that. Uh, Now, it's the same thing happens in terms of media sources. Now, there's nothing wrong with listening to people that uh, provide inaccurate information like uh, Gary Null or Alex Jones. As long as you know that what they're saying about important subjects like AIDS, like uh, vaccines – has been totally disproven again and again by medical science. Now, I say listen to everybody. If you find Gary Null or Alex Jones entertaining, more power to you. Or Jimmy Dore on the left. Or who are some of the other outlets on the left? I don't want to pick on just the the right people. Some of the other ones on the left that they find very inaccurate are Washington Monthly, The Root, Don Lemon tonight. I absolutely agree with that. You want to talk about a show that is inaccurate, biased, and misleading, CNN's Don Lemon Tonight is right up there on all those categories. The New Republic, it ranks as pretty unreliable. Uh, The Daily Beast, it ranks as pretty biased. MSNBC, Vanity Fair, they rank as being pretty biased. The Rachel Maddow Show, they rank as being pretty biased. Now, I have no problem with anybody watching any of these shows as long as you know where they're coming from. But you shouldn't watch these shows, or in the case of Gary Null, listen to these shows and think that this is the truth, because it's not. So, so far, in terms of unbiased outlets, we have one vote for Lynn Samuels, who's dead and no longer broadcasting, and she's been dead for 10 years. We have one vote for Gary Null, which I completely disagree with. I, so far, completely agree with uh, Michael Smirkanish being among the least biased sources there are from this uh, Ad Fontis media chart. 800 9222 Look at the chart at facebook.com slash moranofan and then tell me if you agree, if you disagree with the, with the rankings on here, and if there's somebody that you think is the least biased either journalist or, um, you know, media outlet in terms of an organization in the country, eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let me say hello to um, uh, Jennifer in Boston. Hello, Jennifer.
6: Thanks, thanks for taking my
7: call here. Um, my head almost blew off when you said that NPR now.
2: Uh, uh, NPR News Now, which is, I guess, a podcast.
7: Okay, I cannot imagine Frank. I would have to listen to that. Just last night on NPR, I listened to it to see what my tax dollars are going toward. And is there any way you could tell me briefly during this segment or perhaps, you know, enlighten all of us, why tax funding goes to that when it's all left all the time? uh,
2: NPR does not receive any federal funding anymore ever since James O'Keefe did his expose of them.
7: Well, thank you, Jesus, because it makes my blood pressure go up. Last night, they did a whole thing on – they had – The Clay and Buck show, they had Steve Bannon, I think it was Joe Rogan, somebody, and they were playing snippets from all their programs, um, talking about vaccines and mandates and this and that. And they had a professor and another guy and then the host, all ripping them apart. Oh, how wrong they are, how stupid their listeners are, how ill-informed they must be to listen to such people. Frank, it's unbelievable. And they they have another show on on Sunday nights. That's all they do is talk about white supremacy and how. Um, well, let me see know, where
2: that, let me see where NPR the state the the whole network ranked yeah. rather than a specific yeah, show. You, yeah. uh, uh, but uh, they actually they they rank them as skewing left, but they rank <laughs> them as as pretty high in terms of a complex analysis or mix of facts, fact reporting and analysis. But it sounds like you would disagree with that. Who do you like, oh Jennifer? God. Tell me who you like.
7: I, I Just Bill O'Reilly when he does his news. His news, uh, He either does the, the small roundups or his program. Um, oh, I forget what he calls it. The one that's on. Yeah, Europe, well, Europe. he has co-
2: common sense with Bill O'Reilly uh, is the radio yeah, per- because, program.
7: You know, he doesn't just, I don't think the Kool-Aid. He's a pretty independent, critical thinker. I agree with
2: that, actually. I, I think Bill is a, a very, very good news analyst, and I think he mm-hmm. is uh, pretty independent. That's a good one, Jennifer. Thank you. Let me see where O'Reilly ranked on this chart. They didn't rank O'Reilly too high. Uh, they ranked him as uh, right around the area of hyper-partisan right, and they also ranked him as... Uh, selective or incomplete story. So, but again, just because it's on this chart doesn't mean it's right. I would have ranked O'Reilly much closer to the middle on this chart than they ranked him. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Jerry is in Manhattan. Jerry, uh, who do you think the least biased news source is? Uh, Politico and Washington Journal on C-SPAN
3: and Judy Woodruff, PBS NewsHour.
2: Uh, so let's start with Politico. On, according to this chart... Politico did very well. They have them one uh, slightly to the left, but not quite skewing left, and they have them very high in terms of fact reporting. What was the second one you said? Uh, Washington Journal on C-SPAN in the morning. Yeah, I like Washington Journal, um, and I like.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. I wouldn't have Thought so. <laughs> How come? How come?
2: I, I, lo- they, uh, I, they- I
3: thought you find it dry, and you listen to uh, those two jokers on. ABC in the morning. Well, they're the not guys. jokers. They're entertainers. Well, okay. Um,
2: uh, but uh, I can't find Washington Journal on this chart. But Mike, what um, you, uh, The PBS
3: NewsHour?
2: Yeah, I, I was watching. Uh, I, w- I listened to the, uh, the PBS NewsHour... Uh, actually, did very well on this chart. It was just one centimeter Good. to the left, uh, right Good. before skewing left, and it ranked pretty high in Great. terms of uh, fact reporting. But uh, yep. I, I don't think the guys in the morning are jokers at all. They're entertainers. Their job is to is to entertain. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Linda is on Long Island. Hello there, Linda.
6: Hi Frank again. Hi. Uh, I think Peter Ducey from Fox. Is the least biased, and he really fights. He fights all the prejudice. It's, he's great. I think he's great. Every time I hear him, he has to fight them.
2: Yeah, the liars. Yeah, they didn't rank him on this chart, but uh, I would agree with he you. Sure. I like. I like a lot of what I've seen from uh, from Peter Ducey. He strikes he's me. guy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he strikes me as uh, as honest. a pretty a pretty good reporter. Yes. Yeah. Very, very good. good stuff, Linda. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848 What do you think is the least biased media outlet in America? And, and again, we're not looking for something that skews left, not looking for something that skews right, something that gives you the facts, something that doesn't have a partisan spin. On this particular chart, which I have to be honest, I found pretty accurate, they rank... Um, Reuters, BBC, AP, pretty high. They rank The Hill pretty high. They rank The Daily Mail pretty high in terms of, or pretty down the middle in terms of media bias, not necessarily in terms of fact reporting. Uh, they rank Wall Street Journal pretty high. You can take a look at the uh, at the chart yourself at uh, facebook.com slash moranofan, and you can determine what you think, uh, who you think goes where. Uh, let me say hello to Jim in Yonkers. Hello, Jim.
8: Hello, Frank. Thanks for taking my call.
2: Sure. Hey, I uh, just
8: want to say that I agree with uh, the person, a uh, woman who called. Bill O'Reilly, I think, is definitely one of the most unbiased and free critical thinkers that gives commentary on, on current events uh, presently. I think that this cable uh, network, One American News, I think, is is up there. Um, in terms of least in. biased
2: or most biased? Yes, least
8: biased. I think they try to give a fair objective, uh, although they probably skew to the right if they're in your – I'm unable to look at your chart uh, driving. Um, and then I'm going to go in and throw in a podcast and say Joe Rogan. Um, I think he's uh, – I think that he will listen to – Different, differing opinions. I think that he will reach uh, a lot of, like, I'll say, middle-class working men who really don't pay attention to everyday news that are just don't have the time or interest in in some of the mainstream media. That they will they will go to him and and listen for both entertainment value and the value of you know, the people that he brings on in his opinion.
2: Yeah, I would I would not agree with you on uh, OAN. Uh, I, I do think they skew to the right, and uh, I don't think they do as good of a job in terms of reporting the facts as uh, some of the others. I do agree with you on Joe Rogan. I uh, He doesn't do a lot of original factual reporting, but he does have... All walks of life on that show. He does what I try to do. He has everybody on, left wing, right wing, everybody, anybody that can provide an interesting conversation. They're all on with uh, Joe Rogan. And I think Megyn Kelly does that to some extent. They have Megyn Kelly on this chart as skewing slightly to the right, but they have her ranking pretty, pretty close to the middle and pretty high in terms of factual reporting. Um, but you know that's that's you know it's their prerogative. I guess you're never going to agree with everybody on anything. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Audrey is in Brooklyn. Hello, Audrey. Good morning.
7: I caught the uh, beginning of the show. All I heard was Gary North, but um, I'm assuming you're talking about the bestest. I'm going to say WABC because I want it. I like you guys. I like your show. Well, you, nice. you. You, and, you and Dominic, I listen to. I trust. And um, Gary North, I trust him. And Roland Martin. That's where I get my news from. Well, who was the
9: last
2: one? Who was the last one? Roland, Roland Martin. He oh. used to be on News One. Now he has his small media outlet. Roland Roland Martin wasn't he on CNN? He, he was all over. Yeah, yeah, he's been around a while. Thank you, Audrey. Uh, I'll restate my previous uh, position on Gary Knoll. I don't think that's accurate at at all. In terms of TV and video, um, they rank Fox News special report with Brett Baer pretty high. And they ranked uh, CNN's The Situation Room pretty high. The case of uh, Fox, uh, the Bret Baier show, it skews slightly to the right. In the case of uh, The Situation Room on CNN, it skews slightly to the left. I would agree with both of those. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Alona is in Orange County. Hello, Alona.
7: Hey, how are you? So
10: I'm a nurse, and um, on my way to work, I am glued to Giuliani absolutely love him because you know he's very clear on the facts he gives history and past events and, and and I just love him you know I mean I think he's fair I think he cares I think he did a great job in New York City and he's pointing out the failures now which is important but nobody will listen to him
2: well Maybe I mean people he, people do listen to him
10: well Eric Adams is an asking him for advice he's going to other people
2: yeah, well, I, I would go to Rudy Giuliani before Bill de Blasio, that's for sure, in terms of being a mayor. In terms of a media source, I like the mayor a lot, personally. We we, we hang out, and uh, I'm strongly considering supporting his son for governor. And um, I enjoy listening to him. I find the show entertaining. I love that he's so passionate. I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that that show doesn't skew right. Of course it does. doesn't mean he's wrong, though. Uh, There was an interesting commentary on Mayor Giuliani's show yesterday, and this is our WABC clip of the day, and this had to do with Dr. Anthony Fauci. This is what Mayor Giuliani said. He said, oh, the Chinese wouldn't want to kill their own people. What, is he crazy?
1: There is no country on earth right now that has killed more of its own people than the Chinese Communist Party. None. There is no one that disputes that. Not even communists. They're proud of it. The Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, would not give a damn if he lost 10 million Chinese. If somebody walked into his office and said, we just lost 10 million Chinese, he'd say, thank you. That's what we're trying to do. That's why we kill girl babies. That's why we're trying to eliminate, completely eliminate the Uyghurs.
2: That's why we practice genocide. That was Mayor Giuliani yesterday, I believe. That has led to an article on WABCradio.com and a poll question about how much Dr. Anthony Fauci knew about COVID prior to January of 2020. So if you want to know the details and um, you want to see the audio of um, – we're going to play you the audio later of what Dr. Fauci said about COVID to John Katsimatidis in January of 2020. But you can go to wabcradio.com for the details about what Dr. Fauci said to John Katsimatidis in January of 2020. And WABC wants to know whether you think Dr. Fauci knew more than he told the public in in January of 2020. Go to wabcradio.com and vote on our poll. Did Dr. Fauci know more than he let on? Your thoughts matter. And we want to hear them, whatever they are, wabcradio.com right now and weigh in. We're going to continue with your phone calls in just a moment, 800-848-9222. In the meantime, uh, this is a commercial, but what I'm saying is incredibly accurate. Inflation is out of control. Inflation is at the highest rate that it's been in 40 years. What can you do about it? Gold, silver, and precious metals. Gold historically has always been a hedge against inflation. It's no accident that as you've seen inflation skyrocket over the last two years, you've seen gold skyrocket over the last two years. Now, does gold have more to go? That depends if you think inflation is going to get worse. If inflation does get worse, then yes, gold is going to go higher. And that's where if you have an existing retirement account, you might want to think about rolling it in to a gold or a silver IRA. And you should do so with legacy precious metals. These guys are the gold experts. Um, Gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. And Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based – see, it all goes back to bias – unbiased information based on your situation. So contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Call 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can visit LegacyPMInvestments.com.
9: WABC. You're hearing things. You're hearing things. On 77WA.
2: Terrific, terrific song, and uh, I, I believe, if memory serves, that is one of the favorites of Cousin Brucey. It may not be. I might have just inserted that. We've got to get Cousin Brucey on the show. I asked him a couple of times, and um, he uh, he said that um, it was too late for him. So we got to figure out something because he's a legend, and I listen to him every Saturday night, and hopefully you are too. Uh, We're taking your calls on what you think the least biased media outlets are. You know what I don't think is reflected in this chart, though? Um, Coverage of the Russia situation. Because for some reason, hyperbolic coverage of Russia is something that the left-wing media outlets love and the right-wing media outlets outlets love, except for Tucker Carlson and maybe one or two other outlets. I feel like every – and obviously RT America – I feel like everybody is itching for war with Russia. Not on this program. I have no problem giving you the alternative view on the Russia situation. Hey, speaking of news, here is some good news. The NYPD officer who was shot on Tuesday when a teen gang member's gun went off during a tussle in the Bronx was released from the hospital. The officer, which which I told you I would reveal his identity as soon as we knew it. Uh, identified by sources as Kasim Pennant, was struck in the leg. He is out of the hospital, and he looks quite healthy. I saw the video of him leaving St. Barnabas Hospital, fist-pumping his fellow cops who lined up outside and and clapped. Uh, He is a great officer, seems like a great guy, and uh, has a great attitude. And hopefully he he did leave in a wheelchair, but hopefully he has a speedy recovery soon. And it does look like uh, things are moving in the right direction for him. Uh, 800-848-WABC. I will get back to your calls in just a second. I will add, though, a couple of people emailed me that they think the least biased uh, commentator... On the radio is John Batchelor. Now, I like John Batchelor. I worked with John Batchelor for many years, and John has taught me a lot about radio, uh, and he's been a guest on this show, and I like him a lot. The fact of the matter is John Batchelor is not one of the least biased media commentators there are. And um, what Batchelor does, and it's very clever, he does not usually give his opinion on really anything. What he does is he has guests on that reflect the opinion that he wants to convey. And he's told me he does this. uh, And I don't think he makes a secret of it. Uh, He does have on whatever opinion he wants to showcase in terms of his guests. So I I think he skews in in kind of a neoconservative direction uh, in terms of his bias. But you know what? Uh, that's okay. I find the show entertaining, and uh, I like John Batcher. Uh, you, and you know what? When when Trump was running, and this is where I had a little bit of an issue with, with him in terms of being biased, when Donald Trump was running in 2016, he wouldn't even call him Donald Trump. He would instead call him the businessman from New York. Now, that is such a dismissive, derisive way to refer to a presidential candidate that was at the top of the polls at the time and who a lot of people really respected and admired. And so that, to me, like, you would never call um, Hillary Clinton the former secretary. You, you wouldn't call her the former first lady from Chicago by way of Arkansas. You wouldn't call her that. But for some reason, he had no problem referring to Trump that way. So I wouldn't put Bachelor in that category of the least biased news organizations. But you know what? That's why America's America. Everybody's free to have whatever opinion they want. By the way, I'd like your opinion on this. We all know that, unfortunately, divorce is a big part of life. Uh, I hope never to be divorced, but I have many friends that have been divorced. My parents have been divorced many times. And we all know that divorce is a very, very difficult thing especially when your ex-husband or your ex-wife takes most of your stuff. Enter the Divorce Registry. Two new companies, one called Fresh Starts Registry and one called Divorceist, have sprung up to help recent divorcees put their lives back together One. One blender at a time. There's an article in the New York Post by Dory Lewak. Uh, I think this is brilliant. So what this is what, is essentially at a moment when the notion of a registry has expanded beyond weddings and baby showers to everything from getting a puppy to Galentine's Day, these sites, divorcest and fresh starts Registry want to normalize and streamline the process of restocking a home after it's split apart. Um, Olivia Dreisen Howell of Fresh Starts Registry told the New York Post, there's no place that celebrates these big life changes. We tend to celebrate babies and weddings, but not everything else in between. She believes that we're looking at divorce all wrong and that getting out of a bad marriage should be feted not frowned upon and she's hoping her business will help with that i completely agree with this this woman who started this site is a long island mother of two and she said that her own divorce last year after eight years of marriage was a good thing but when she and her ex-husband split up there was just one thing missing a toothbrush holder and she shared one with her ex and she had to get a new one I think this is a great idea. I have long believed, because I've had a difficult time getting gifts for people over the years, that every human being in America should have a gift registry. I have an Amazon wish list. If anybody ever wants to buy me anything, you could go find my Amazon wish list and see the things that I want. I think the world would be a much simpler place if everybody had that. But I think, in all seriousness, to go through a life change like a divorce is very, very difficult. And to have uh, a whole registry where you know what people need, I think that's a great thing. What do you think? If you're getting divorced or if you've been divorced, is this something you'd find helpful? If you've had a friend or a family member that's been divorced, is this something that you would turn to? 800-848-WABC. I have some friends that are considering divorce right now, unfortunately. And I'm going to send these websites to them because I think they'd find it helpful. It's a real bummer. You know, I have one friend who is looking at getting divorced and he's lived in his house with his wife for 20 years. And now he's facing the prospect of moving into a one bedroom apartment. And he's going to have to essentially start over in terms of all of his living uh, expenses, not expenses, but his necessities of life, his supplies. I think this divorce registry is a great thing. What say you? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's eight hundred eight I'm going to link to this article as well on my Facebook page. Again, a terrific article by uh, Dori Lewak. It's terrific to me because you know what I find terrific about news reporting? Something new. Something that I didn't know before. And I had no idea these divorce registries existed, and now I do, thanks to Dori Lewak. So that's my definition of, of compelling media coverage. Something that's not the same five articles that I've been seeing all day. 800-848-9222, that's a 800-848-WABC. They say that this is a great way to kickstart a life do-over, and I agree, and I hope, honestly... I pray that I never need anything like this. But several people in the Facebook community and several people that have written to my wife have predicted that she will eventually kick me to the curb. I sincerely hope not. But if she ever does, I am going to be registering for one of these divorce registries. Because I told my wife, I, I, I said, uh, you can have everything you want in the house. If you ever throw me out, we ever get divorced, have everything you want. The one, uh, the, the few things that I would like is I do have a pretty exhaustive book collection and an exhausted and a pretty good collection of signed books, particularly from people that are no longer alive. People like uh, Bob Grant, uh, Joe Franklin, Barry Farber. I really treasure those signed books from people that are no longer alive. And I would really hate to lose those. Other than that, I couldn't care less what what possessions of mine are gone. Take whatever you want. But the reality is you do need things like a toothbrush holder, and I think this is a great way to restock. What do you think? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Carol in New Jersey. Hello there, Carol. Hi there, uh,
10: I was calling in about who I think, aside from the people on ABC, uh, are the least biased. Reporters. Somebody mentioned Judy Woodruff, who I listen to on the PBS News Hour on occasion, not always. Uh, usually, I listen to Rita Cosby, but I think Brian Lehrer is extremely unbiased, and I've been listening to him for years.
2: I would agree with I that, turn, actually.
10: Yeah, I turn him on after Sid and Bernie usually.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he does a great job, especially when he's been a debate moderator in the past. I think he's terrific. Yes. Yes. Definitely. All right. You have anything to add on this divorce registry, Carol? Uh,
10: I don't know. Maybe it's a good idea. I'm not sure. I've only known like one person in my life that's been divorced because my family was very Catholic and nobody got divorced, even if they didn't necessarily get along
2: that well well you know curtis Um, that counts for like four or five divorces right there yes
10: yeah yeah that's true i do know curtis but not
2: personally though Ah, then you're one of you're one of the lucky ones 800-848-WABC that's uh, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on this divorce registry or anything else we're uh, covering uh let's see um 800 848 9222. Let me take a quick break. We'll continue with your calls in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead.
11: 77 WABC, where the action is.
1: We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Murano.
2: To, uh, you can send it to this radio station, P.O. Box 1777, New York, New York. Uh, hey, so in the Facebook group, which you're welcome to join by searching "Morano Radio fans and haters, Daniel uh, posted a comment, which I think is nice. He, I mean, I think he intended it to be nice, but I wanted to address. He posted, uh, Joe Borelli is on Fox News constantly. Curtis Slewa is on Gutfeld every other week. Both Frank Morano friends, yet Fox News can't find Frank Morano with a search warrant, WTF. Now, a couple of things. One is I've been on Fox News uh, several times. Uh, I used to go on their digital channel all the time, but I've been on the regular cable channel as well. Um, Many times with Eric Sean. Eric Sean is one of my favorite journalists. I don't know where he ranked on this because you want to talk about a guy that's accurate and fair Eric Sean is at the top of anybody's list, but Eric Sean's had me on many times. Uh, two is um, just because friends of mine are on Fox News, I'm not sure how you think TV booking works. Usually, when they book you for an interview, you either say yes or no. You don't say yes. Oh, by the way, uh, book my friend, Frank Morano, as well. There's no, you're so usually so happy to get booked. That you don't say, hey, you know, this is the, really the guy that you should uh, that you should be booking. And, and lastly, I, I don't get asked to go on Fox News that often, but I do get asked to go on various television networks from time to time. And uh, this is, violates the Gore Vidal rule and the Roger Stone rule, which is you should never turn down an opportunity to have sex or be on television. The truth is I turn down most TV appearances because – my day is just booked. I have no time to do these extra TV appearances. I used to go on TV just for the publicity, but more often than not, you have to. Yeah, now they don't make you travel. Now everything's via Skype or Zoom, which I find incredibly annoying. But you have to get dressed. You have to travel somewhere. You have to shave and look good for maybe four and a half minutes of conversation it's it's like two hours worth of prep time for four and a half minutes of conversation and oh by the way you're usually on with somebody else to debate whatever the opposite point of view is so i, I don't miss getting invitations to be on cable news and uh, the truth is because i'm so busy i turn down most of them anyway now uh, by the way speaking of Zoom and and Skype, you you know what's annoying? Now, we have a great guest next hour. Ralph Ellis is coming on. And I've spent a lot of time preparing for this interview. And I believe he's joining us from Great Britain. He's coming up in about five minutes. He has a fascinating, fascinating theory about the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, I have planned now a whole hour around talking with Ralph Ellis. And I say to Ralph, I say, hey, you know, just give me your phone number when you can. And he says, I don't have a phone where I am. So now we're trying to connect with him. And I am praying this works because if we don't have Ralph Ellis next hour, (laughs) then we're done for. Then we're going to hear a lot of of, uh, Ralph from New Jersey. That's that's, That's where we are at this point. But Matt says it looks pretty good at this point. All right, good. So, so far, I'm hesitant to... Uh, to count our radio guests before they're connected. But so far we're we're hearing good things about Ralph Ellis. By the way, I am joined in studio by the one and only Prometheus. And I'm going to ask Molly to put a photo of Prometheus on our Instagram page at 77 W-A-B-C-O-S-O-M other side of Midnight, Prometheus is an alien and he was gifted to me as much as you can gift one living sentient being to another. He was gifted to me about a year ago from John Katsimatidis. You might remember the contest that we had to name Prometheus and Prometheus won going away, but he's with me in studio now. Uh, A very handsome devil. Now, I usually use the male for him, but he comes from actually a post-gender society. And he was the last of his species before his planet blew up because of their pervasive use of weapons of mass destruction. Now, much like the Prometheus from Greek mythology, he stole remnants of technology from his species and brought them to Earth. And a a lot of the historical and technical innovations that you see... Uh, over the course of the last 10 years are due to Prometheus bringing them from another planet. So uh, Molly is tweeting a photo of him and uh, Instagramming a photo of Prometheus right now. But when Prometheus is in studio, it always reminds me he's got his headphones on. And as far, I hate to be so derace, you know, uh, dismissive of him like this, but he looks kind of cute with these headphones. Kind of like when my son wears oversized sunglasses at two months old. If you've had a conversation with an alien, please call me. You don't have to call right now, but leave me a message at eight one six eight Morano and tell me the nature of that conversation. Eight one six eight M O R A N O. But I do want to hear your thoughts about this divorce registry, which is apparently escalating dramatically in popularity. Let me say hello to Jean in New Jersey. Hello, Jean. Hello, Frank. How you been? I uh, have been just peaches. Just wonderful.
12: Good, good, good. I joined the radio website, so I'm checking in with you guys. Now.
11: Terrific.
2: But anyway, uh, just one
12: quick thing they, they asked about the divorce registry. I'm on my fourth marriage. And, I'm not sure uh, whether, to,
2: whether to congratulate you or not. I, I'm thinking not. Well, the good news
12: is, speaking of aliens, the first three might fit that category. <laughs> but but they might have an opinion on that, too. But... Uh, <laughs> Actually, recently on Facebook, people asked uh, if you could tell yourself anything based on your experience now when you were 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? And I got a lot of laughs at it saying that uh, marry your fourth wife first.
2: (laughs) Uh, So, Gene, give me your thoughts. We only have about a minute here. Give me your thoughts on this idea of a divorce registry.
12: Uh. I'm not in favor of it, personally.
2: How come? Uh, somebody that's been through the, the ringer a couple of times, wouldn't you have found this helpful to get the, the restocked with all the stuff that your ex-wives ended up taking from you?
13: No, I've always gone
12: by instinct, and I finally got it right. <laughs> that's all I can say. All right. Well, thanks, Gene.
2: 800 uh, 848 What do you think of his divorce registry? Lieutenant Bookman is in Manhattan. Hello, Lieutenant Bookman.
14: It's funny, boy. Listen to me. Listen to me good. Yeah? There's not going to be no books coming after no divorce settlement. I'm on to that old book you owed since 1986. <laughs> all right? Don't give me any of that. All right? I know very well you think it's all a big joke, don't you? I say you're on TV. I heard your bumper music. Let me tell you something funny, boy. You know that little stamp that says New York Public Library? That may not mean anything to you, but that means a lot to me. <laughs> One hell of a lot. So forget about that book. Sure, go ahead. Laugh if you want. I've seen your type before. Flashy, making the scene, blunting convention. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. What's this guy making such a big stink about old library books? Well, let me tell you one thing, Frank Morano, Julia. Maybe we can live without libraries. Maybe like you and me. Maybe. Sure, we're too old to change the world, but what about that kid sitting down, opening a book right now, in the branch, seeing Cat in the Hat and the Five Chinese Brothers? Doesn't he deserve better? Look, you think it's so overdue book that that means nothing you're not getting nothing from the registry
2: alright Tropic of Can't Cancer is in the mail along with a hefty late fine believe me Hey, I got an SMS text message here from somebody uh, and you can always text message me at 8168 Morano that wrestling analogy you just gave might be the best and most intelligent thing I've heard on the radio in years brilliant that's why you listen to this show for the best and most intelligent things that you will hear on the radio for years stay tuned for the next three hours there's no telling where we're headed. To be continued.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
2: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. You know who's an interesting guy? Jesus. Jesus Christ is one of the most interesting people in the history of the world because he's so many different things. One, he's worshipped by a lot of different people. He's worshipped by a lot of different people, millions, maybe even billions around the world worship him. As the Lord and Savior. Uh, A lot of other people, billions as well, view him as a prophet. Even Islam. Islam views him as a prophet. Even if you don't worship him. Even if you don't view him as a prophet. He's certainly one of the most interesting historical figures in history. I mean, has any person ever had more of an impact on world history than Jesus Christ? I think probably not. Now, let's say you don't even think that he existed, which we're going to get into. Let's say you don't worship him. Let's say you don't think he's a prophet. As a literary character, there's nobody better. If you look at the role that he's played in the New Testament, especially in the four Gospels, and in the Book of Mormon, and in the Quran. His contributions to the world of literature are substantial. I don't know that there's anybody that checks this many different boxes in terms of a figure throughout world history. And a gentleman who has devoted a substantial amount of his time researching Jesus Christ and exploring some unexplored aspects of his origins and his life is Ralph Ellis, a historian, a biblical researcher, and a best-selling author. Uh, We're going to tell you about some of his books in just a minute. Ralph, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Ralph, yeah, can you hear me, Ralph? All right. Ralph, uh, can you hear me? All right, we're going to try and... We're going to try and reconnect with. Uh, we're going to try and reconnect with Ralph, uh, and, and see if we can uh, we can make this work. Now, I'll tell you about uh, Ralph Ellis. He is the author of a book, uh, the most recent book called "Shards of Illumination: Creed, Climate, Culture, and COVID: Breaking Through the Deception." So, if we can get this working, we'll try and talk to him about that. In addition to some of the work he's done regarding the uh, the historical. Jesus And the, uh, the character of Jesus as a historical person, not necessarily one associated with any religious dogma. But uh, I will tell you, I was really interested. I came across one book that Ralph wrote in which he argues, and he presents some evidence for this, that Jesus Christ actually is the descendant of Egyptian royals and of Roman aristocracy. And believe it or not, I know this may sound crazy to some people. We're, we're hopefully going to be able to get into this. He actually might have even led a revolt in Egypt. And it's really wild stuff. So hopefully we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, meantime, while we try and reconnect with, uh, with Ralph, uh, we'll take your calls at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Howard is in Elmhurst. Hello, Howard. What's on your mind?
15: talk about Dr. Gary Knowles. I
16: heard you know, some bad things about him.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I went through the whole list know, of things with him. But
16: my wife, you know, my wife's in a nursing home, and a woman was sitting outside with her father, and she said, you should send him to Gary Noll, And I said, if I send that, I mean, you know, on, you know thinking, if I send, ever send him to my wife to Gary Null's, um I'm in trouble. Then if it goes wrong, I can never get it back in a nursing home. It's a fairly good nursing home. So I, I I I would always look at it with great doubt.
2: Yeah, I I would I would too, uh, Howard. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Jeff is in Jersey City. Hello, Jeff.
11: Uh, Frank on the uh, media types, and you know, Lynn Samuel is my favorite, uh, just the truth person and accept all covers. Uh Robert McNeil, um, before your time, probably. Yeah, well, we're the talking about way. people
2: that are on the air now, though.
11: Well, 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 because there aren't any left. There's Mark Levine. He's the the genius of the Constitution, politics, and culture. He's a truth-teller. He's the absolute best, and he's in your company. I don't know if you ever met him or you had a conversation with him. You know, know, you're among greatness, Frank. He's going to walk the earth one time. Uh, Peter Ducey is great. Greg Kelly, he won't give up on his um, chasing justice for Ashley Babbitt's murderer. That's that— uh, um, uh, Lieutenant, uh, the Capitol policeman that murdered her, and he keeps going after her. Ben Shapiro is a great journalist. And on your station, again, On 5, five o'clock every night, you have the team of John Katz and L- L- Lydia Saranai. Uh, yeah, like I'll the- tell yeah.
2: you, and, and thanks way. for mentioning that, Jeff. i tell you what I like about that show, the Cats at Night show, every day at 5 p.m. If you're not listening, you're missing out. One... They have real newsmakers on that show. I mean you never know – you could listen to that show. You could hear uh, the police commissioner. You could hear the state controller. You could hear any number of interesting U.S. senators, uh, members of Congress – And they have people on from across the political spectrum. It's not unusual you have Governor uh, Patterson on, followed by Governor Pataki. You have uh, Congressman Peter King, former Congressman Peter King, followed by Congressman um, Steve Israel. You just never know who you have uh, on that show. It runs the gamut. I find the show, Alan Dershowitz, who's a liberal, and uh, John Solomon, who generally skews conservative. I think it's a great show. I never miss it. Listen every day at 5 p.m., and uh, it's really a terrific, terrific show. Raul is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Raul.
7: Hey, Frank. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, I just wanted something that's on my mind. I wanted to mention, you know, about the young girl that was killed in the Burger King. You know, the, the, the killer, he got away with $100. And I think I think he might have, you know, t- taken the shot because he was angry that he got $100. And uh, I think the employees of uh, a lot of these fast food restaurants don't have access to, to money. They usually take all the money and they put it into the safe. And there's like uh, maybe a few hundred dollars in, in the cash register. And I just think that if, if she would have had a chance to cough up all the money, by getting it from the safe, this would have made, you know, the stick-up guy happy that he's getting a lot of money in his hands and not just a 100 bucks.
2: Yeah, I don't know, Raul. I think you're ascribing a level of logic and rational thought to somebody that is totally irrational. Uh, that Burger King killer, and there's been so many horrible crimes lately that you lose track of, oh, who? this is the guy that pushed the person on the subway. This is the person that stabbed the person on the subway in the buttocks. This is the person that shot the cop. This is the Burger King killer. You almost lose track of who's who. But in the case of the Burger King killer, that is a person that is either pure evil and would not be satiated by any amount of money, or they're on every drug in the world and high out of their mind and not rational because of that, Or they're deranged. They're mentally mentally, dangerously insane. Or some combination. Could be all three. Either way, if any of those three things are the case, it wouldn't have mattered if they gave the guy $500 or $1,000. Would not have mattered. 800-848-9222. Tom is in freehold. Hello, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Eight hundred eight four eight wabc We're trying to reconnect with Ralph Ellis. See, I knew we were in trouble as soon as he said to me via email 15 minutes before we were supposed to have him on. He said, I don't have a phone where I am. I mean, that would have been helpful information, I don't know, 12 hours ago. But... We're working on reconnecting with him, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to hear him, because uh, he is—he has done a lot of really interesting work in terms of uh, this scholarship on the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Uh, but there's a lot of other stories that we can uh, chat about in the meantime, including, have you seen... Oh, it looks like snow might be on the way as well. Now, we'll, we'll keep you posted on this, but... There is a severe winter weather advisory for the New York City area beginning at about 5 a.m. So uh, the only thing that may save us is that it's going to be a little on the warmer side. So they're saying we could be seeing up to five inches of snow, and this could be uh, may mean a monstrous commute. For those of you that commute in the morning rush hour, I'm hoping it holds off a couple of hours and uh, I can get home and I won't have to worry about this driving home. Because the most important thing when it comes to the snow is you got to remember to drive slowly. Don't drive like a knucklehead. I saw Curtis wrote that down the other day when he was listening to this show, which means he's going to use that to make fun of me. That's just fine because that's very true. There's, for some reason, whenever there's any sort of precipitation, there's this whole series of people that end up driving like morons. And if it's snowing at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., at a time when a lot of people are trying to get home, like I am, or get to work, then the most important thing you can keep in mind is drive carefully and drive slowly. 800-848-9222. Jack is in Connecticut. Hello, Jack. Hey,
17: Frank. Hey, uh- Frank. I wanted to kind of get your insight, as the, you know, Frankie Five Burroughs with all the inside info, where is this power uh, struggle going to end up with the Manhattan DA and Mayor Adams? Is, ma- is the mayor
11: going to really crack down? Is he going to do something? Who's going to win? I guess that's my question.
2: Well, in terms of prosecution of crimes, there's really not much that the mayor can do. I mean, he can. There are special grants of funding that the city does provide to the DAs. The DA's offices are state-funded, but... A lot of times they get city funding for special arrests or special programs having to do with, say, gun crimes or anti-drug initiatives. So the mayor could cut funding to some of those programs, but there's not very much that you can do as the mayor. The governor does have the power to remove any public official in the whole state, including the DAs. And some of the people that are running for governor, including Andrew Giuliani, Lee Zeldin, Rob Astorino, they've indicated that they would do just that. But I don't see Eric Adams being able. Able to do much. I, I don't. I don't see it happening. Now that is not a great situation because when you're the DA in a place like Manhattan, you need to work closely with the police department. You don't want an adversarial relationship. Now sometimes it can still work. Uh, Charles Joe Hines, for instance, had a very adversarial relationship with Mayor Bloomberg for a lot of Mayor Bloomberg's tenure. And uh, look, people still got prosecuted in Brooklyn, and uh, very effectively in many cases. Robert Johnson, from what I recall, had a somewhat adversarial relationship with Mayor Rudy Giuliani. People still got prosecuted. So uh, it can still work, but uh, it's certainly not ideal. You usually, as uh, Judge Napolitano said the other day, you want the police department working hand-in-glove with the uh, local DA. But uh, we'll see what happens. 800-848-WABC. That's 800 848 Ryan, is there a reason we're not putting anybody's name up on the, bo- on the board? Are these people all band callers? I guess they're band callers. All right. Uh, but if you're not banned, give us a call. 800-848-WABC as we try and reconnect with Ralph Ellis. Hey, there's one other story in addition to the snow that I wanted to bring to your attention. I found this really interesting. There was a story about a world leader in Turkmenistan closing what they call the Gates of Hell. Turkmenistan is planning to shut down its fiery Gates of Hell. Really interesting. Uh, This is the Darvassa Gas Crater, one of the greatest attractions of the country. The Gates of Hell has been burning for 30 years now, excuse me, for 50 years. Now, what it looks like, and I'm going to link to this on my Facebook page at Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. So if you haven't seen it, you can see what it looks like. What it looks like is a giant hole with fire. And it's really, really interesting. And it's been burning for 50 years with visitors from all over the world flocking to it. It's located about 260 kilometers from the capital of Turkmenistan. They also call it the Door to Hell. According to reports, the Turkmenistan president, whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce, he said on a televised government program that the Gates of Hell is burning a large volume of gas and it could be used to help prosper the country and its people. The idea is to get access to the natural gas reserves that are present inside this burning pit. The president also said that the burning pit will be closed for environmental and health reasons as well. I don't know what the the health reasons are. Are people jumping into the gates of hell? Or I don't know if the gates of hell or the doors of hell are releasing noxious gases that people are having a tough time breathing. I don't know. But Turkmenistan is going to have a tough time trying to extinguish this because this idea of extinguishing the gates of hell is not a new one. The president had first issued this order back in 2010, but for some reason they couldn't achieve it back then. Interestingly, the gates of hell host an odd extremophile bacteria that is living in this excruciating hot environment. The ground temperature can reach as high as 400 degrees Celsius. If you are like so many of us that attended New York City Public School and you don't know where Turkmenistan is, Turkmenistan is a country in Central Asia and its gates of hell came into existence in 1971 when it was set on fire in order to prevent the spread of methane gas. Since then, this burning pit, which you got to see. Go on my Facebook page. You'll see the photo. Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. This burning pit has been raging on and attracting a number of adventurers. It does look kind of cool, and I would love to see it. Uh, so, But I, I don't pl- have any trips to Turkmenistan planned anytime soon, so hopefully... I don't know. I I don't know if I should be rooting for them to keep it open if it's an environmental hazard or not, but we'll see. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Meantime, something that uh, I have had a difficult time living without for the last few days has been life change tea. If you look at our refrigerator, there's baby formula, baby formula, baby formula, and then there's leftovers 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 then for some reason we now have two different types of coffee creamer one that's a non-dairy creamer one that's a dairy creamer I guess we when my sister-in-law slept over over the weekend she found her husband rather my wife's brother-in-law found our coffee creamer insufficient and wanted a dairy coffee creamer that had sweetener in it and so now we have multiple types of coffee creamer There's no room for anything in this refrigerator, which is a bummer because I like to keep my giant jug of Life Change Tea in the refrigerator. I make a gallon jug of this stuff and usually have two glasses every day. I haven't had it in a little while now, and i got to tell you, I'm feeling the difference. Life Change Tea is a phenomenal product that gives you a ton of energy. It's a gentle daily cleanse that gets all the junk out of your system. It works to get things moving. And if you are feeling constipated, if you are feeling stopped up and bloated, that's not good for you. And, I mean, just think about it logically. You'll feel better if you're not constipated. So Light Change Tea is an all-natural, non-GMO product. One package will last you an entire month. It's only available by logging on to the website, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. And while you're there, you can use the promo code FRANK, and you'll get to enjoy free shipping. They have a ton of other good stuff on there. My wife ordered some melatonin on there yesterday to help us both sleep from time to time. But uh, if you want bee, uh, bee pollen, you can get that on there. Pine bark extract, colostrum vitamin c it's all on there just go to get the tea.com and whatever you choose to order use the promo code frank that's life changed get the tea.com try the detox tea come for the tea stay for everything else use the promo code frank on whatever you order not only will the good folks over at getthetea.com know that you heard about it on this show but you will also be able to enjoy free shipping on all these great products. Get the promo code Frank.
1: W A B C. This is the Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
9: Everybody does, yeah. So hey okay, yeah. So slide over and give me a moment you need a space a I've got to let you know I've got to let you know I can't
2: Onyx here on the other side of the night in excess it's not onyx Matt claims it's in excess. I guess the jury's still out on that. Um, I I wish it was on it. Uh, In excess. I guess that makes more sense. 800-848-WABC. So the guest that uh, I had tried to book for this hour does not have a telephone. Now, if you want to talk about something that is a vintage Frank Morano problem, that's it in a nutshell. Only Frank Morano would book a guest by telephone that doesn't have a telephone. But we're working on connecting with uh, Ralph Ellis by other means. Even if it means involving the supernatural, we're going to do it. But! The beneficiary of that is you, because we are doing we are having open phones this hour. So if you want to comment on anything we've talked about thus far or anything I haven't brought up, you're welcome to discuss it. 800 848 wabc Let me begin with Rocco in a supporter of this program since its inception. Hello there, Rocco.
18: Yeah, Frank, you know, I I, I love Larry Cudlow, Dick Boris, Brian Kilmead. And uh, I'd, I'd like to also say that the uh, John Katsimatidis Sunday program with the uh, local and national, and I know you have a huge input in that also on the Sunday morning program, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. And and to hear John Katsimatidis with his heartfelt message, I just think it's uh, magnificent. And then you have, of course, I, I really enjoy the Cats at Night with Lydia Serranoi. And, and you know, you never know who's popping in, of course, the regular Peter King and then Alphonse D'Amato. I mean, he's just unfiltered, magnificent, relevant today, as relevant as he was 30, 40 years ago, you know. So uh, I just, uh, Jerry Kelly, I just think he's fabulous. Greg he, Kelly. Uh, Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly, yes.
2: Jerry's his brother.
18: Right, okay, Greg Kelly, yeah, Greg, I think Greg is uh, fabulous, absolutely fabulous.
2: Well, I, 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 I appreciate and, that, Rocco, thank yeah. you.
18: And Frank, Frank. one last thing, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you'd be uh, endorsing uh, uh, Andrew there. Maybe,
2: maybe, I want to see who all the uh, candidates are, I want to see which candidates emerge, but at this point I'm leaning, uh, I mean, I like Tom Suozzi a lot too, but at this point hmm. I'm leaning towards uh, Andrew Giuliani, yes.
18: You know, can I just mention something about the mayoral race there? You know? Yes, yes. I'm just uh, I'm disappointed at all the uh, independents and the conservative and republicans that they didn't get out and vote for Curtis you know especially when uh, Curtis put his arm around the gentleman who had uh, you know a mental issue there and you know, uh, Curtis actually went around and put his arm around him and told him he'd be there for him, and I think he would have. Curtis would have been there for them, and uh, you know, and Adams uh, gave De Blasio a B plus rating. B plus. Uh, I just don't get that. I...
2: Neither do I, Rocco. Thank you. Appreciate the the kind words. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Jim is in Old Bridge. Hello there, Jim.
3: Hey, how you doing, Frank? Listen, I I. I... I want to, uh, I know that Curtis and you are just playing with each other, and I love both of your shows. You know, he has his own format, and you have your own. But, you know, Curtis used to play on uh, RFL all the time. I mean, remember back in the day when he used to cut his signal at, at 1 o'clock because it was taking away his airtime.
2: That's right. And they did to- a radio exorcism. That was very funny. Yeah, it
3: was, it was great, you know. And then they actually did meet at one point, and like you know, I know it's all you know, it's all entertainment and media and that. But you know, I, I I appreciate you know I you know, and he plays on you, but I know you guys love each other, and I know it for sure. You know, it's like you know, it, it, it it's radio. You know, it's it's all entertainment, and I understand that, and I really do appreciate it, and uh, you know, and thank you so much for what you do. You keep me up, God damn it. I'm sorry didn't me to say that. But, Tammy, you keep me up. Well, no. th-
2: thank you, Jim. Uh, that's very kind of you. And we'll hopefully we'll continue to keep you up, or at the very least, we'll give you something soothing to fall asleep to. Uh, yeah, Curtis does a wonderful show. In all seriousness, uh, Curtis is, whatever you might think of him, as a mayoral candidate or as a person, the guy is a top-tier radio talent. And we're really lucky to not only have him as part of the WABC galaxy of stars, but we're lucky that he's willing to take any shift that we throw at him. The guy is uh, a very smart guy. You know, someone who d- is not a fan of Curtis's uh, told me once, but this is somebody that hates all of the right-of-center talk show hosts, and including Curtis. He said to me, I'll say this about Curtis. Unlike everyone else on the radio, he's not really an idiot. He just plays one on the radio. And there's some truth to that. Curtis is incredibly smart. He's also a gifted storyteller. The kind of life experience that he has is unparalleled. He told a story as I was driving in, I think Sunday night, of when he was the, – the, right before he got um, – hired to be a night manager of a McDonald's up in the Bronx. The previous night manager was terrified because someone broke into the McDonald's and shot the security guard. The way he told that story, I was captivated. It was one of those moments where, and if the podcast is up at wabcradio.com, I'd suggest you go and listen to it. Uh, It was one of those moments where I parked in front of the building and I didn't want to get out of my car because I wanted to hear the ending of the story. It's very, very compelling. And that's the kind of thing you get with Curtis. He's really one of the most compelling hosts on radio. And a real, as the, as the caller said there, a real entertainer. By the way, speaking of WABCradio.com, we have a poll uh, at WABCradio.com asking about how much... Dr. Fauci really knew about COVID prior to January of 2020. So if you want to vote on that, go to wabcradio.com and feel free to weigh in. There's also an interesting article on there on that subject. Meantime, uh, we're doing open phones until we get a hold of Ralph Ellis. 800 uh, 848 Let me say hello to Pete in the Granite State. Hello, Pete. Hi,
16: Frank. How are you
2: uh, I can't complain. It's against company policy.
16: <laughs> well, you know, let me ask you something, Frank. Uh, do you do you think that do you do, do you believe that uh, uh, Mayor Adams he should have been mayor? I believe Curtis Leawab would have been the candidate, and I'm going to tell you uh, why I I feel that way. Number one, this guy's nothing but a sidestepper, Adams. He's a sidestepper. I think I think Curtis Leavitt would have been a great mayor, but and I can't understand for the life of me. And I have people, friends of mine that live in the city, and I've got to underst- I'm trying to understand, Frank, for the life of me, why people would vote for Adams. I well, I, I still don't understand this. Frank. It's a
2: it's a great question, Pete, and uh, and thanks for the call. Uh, first of all, I agree with you. I was a big Curtis supporter. I was an active part of the campaign, particularly prior to him winning the primary, but. Um, The reason that Eric Adams won the general election by such a resounding margin is because he's a Democrat, because he was the Democratic nominee. The nature of New York City politics these days, and to some extent New York State politics, is if you're the Democrat, you're going to get about 65% of the vote, maybe more, just because you're on the Democratic line. The partisan advantage is so pronounced that if you're the Democratic nominee, you're overwhelmingly likely to win. And uh, there's a number of reasons for that. But a lot of the voters in this city, I would venture to say the majority, they don't even look at the candidates' issues. They don't even look at their positions. They don't even look at their biographies. They don't look at their experience. They don't look at their approaches to problem solving. They don't look at their history of management. They look at what party they're registered with. And right now, being a Republican in New York City is not a very popular thing. Now, what's the solution? One very simple solution. Nonpartisan elections. If you were to go into a voting booth and vote for any candidate you want, and there were no party labels listed, the outcome of the mayoral election, I think, would have been different. I say if you combine... Rank choice voting and nonpartisan elections, that is the first step towards getting more sensible people elected. As Mayor LaGuardia said, there's no Democrat or Republican way to clean a street. Now, again, this is a little inside baseball, but you're the beneficiary of my having planned to talk with Ralph Ellis for the hour. And normally this is not something that I would tell you. But on my to-do list for this morning, right after the show. I am sending an email to Ron Lauder. Ron Lauder, if you remember, was the uh, mayoral candidate and Estee Lauder heir, very wealthy guy, heir to the Estee Lauder fortune, who bankrolled the 1993 Term Limits Initiative. He bankrolled a petition drive to get term limits on the ballot, and it passed. It is the only, in the history of New York City, it is the only citizen-led effort to change the New York City charter that has succeeded. The only one. Um, I am going to be asking Ron Lauder to do the same thing for nonpartisan elections that he did with term limits, because term limits was transformational in New York City. And uh, I think it's been a positive, and I think it would be a positive in other cities as well. But I'm going to ask him to bankroll the same initiative for either nonpartisan elections or proportional representation. And if that happens, that is going to give people that aren't Democrats a chance to get elected. And that's what my hope is. 800-848-WABC. That's uh, 800-848-9222. Bob is in Astoria. Hello, Bob. You, you. Hello. Oh, hi. Hello. Yes, thank you.
15: Uh, I, you know, in defense of uh, Gary, no. By the way, you want to hear a good story? Barry Farber and he were great friends. And Barry Farber was on the floor when they rising in pain from gout. He called Gary, of course, his best friend. Help, he knew he could help him, and Gary sent over, or even maybe personally brought brought over some supplements that helped him, and told him, "Hey, you got to change your diet." But anyway, Gary, Farb, I mean, but, and besides Celia Farber, his daughter, is a great journalist. She's a anonymous journalist. So actually, yeah, she, she's, she's she a friend of mine. Health.
2: She's a friend of mine. I've yeah, interviewed she's, her she's many looked, times.
15: So you know, she's a great journalist, anonymous. She looks into. She actually looks into alternative health, and and uh, anyway. Gary Null has a PhD in clinical nutrition. He did years of study in the Institute of Applied Biology. He did help uh, AIDS patients, uh, over 1,000, and he has to have medical uh, records to prove <clears throat> to prove it. Otherwise, he would be uh, crucified by the medical establishment. He actually reversed AIDS. In, in 19- All right,
2: I'm kind of over these Gary Null commercials. I mean, if you want to give Gary Null a plug, point taken, point taken. All right, you like Gary Null. No, we get it. We get it. Send Gary Null a bill. For that commercial. And if, if Gary Null is treating Bob and Astoria for whatever Bob and Astoria's ailment is, then uh that is not exactly a an advertisement for Gary Null's approach to alternative healing. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C that's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Janet is in Manhattan. Hello, Janet.
6: Hi, a little
2: sarcasm there
6: for you. <laughs> So recovering from the sarcasm you just aimed at the last caller, but anyway, I know you won't do that to me. Um, you know what I want to refer to? Do you remember two nights ago? Uh, somebody called Dominic's show and I think you were on, it was towards the end of the show, he was the third from the last caller with a very good idea which I had thought of myself about the subways and wondered if it was practicable and apparently it is and that is putting up fences or railings along the edge of the, of the track. Now, this man who called in, do you remember that phone call? He had several suggestions, but nobody picked up on this one. And he mentioned several countries where they already do this. He ran down the list very quickly. I think he mentioned Japan, probably, Germany. You know, they have a railing. Um, You cannot fall onto the tracks. No one can push you onto the tracks. Um, Why do we not do this? I did hear somebody refer to it in a news show going by, and they did refer to it. I couldn't hear the show that um, they did refer to it again. They said there would be difficulties, um, something about ventilation. But I wonder if you could get someone on from the MTA, an engineer or something. Can we do this? Is it feasible?
2: Well, we can do that, uh, Janet. There are other cities that do that. I'm all for that. Um, I don't know that I would have someone on from New York City Transit or the MTA just because we like to keep this show a little bit more national in scope because we are being heard in 38 states right now and all over the world. So I, I just – I wonder if folks are listening in California and in um, in North Carolina if they would be as interested in a one-on-one issue on New York City transit issues. I'm interested in it, but I'm not sure that's the kind of thing that would translate Nationally. 800-848-WABC. Uh, it's 800-848-9222. Karen is in Rockland County. Hello, Karen. Hello, Frank. How are you? Well, um, so you. far, I, so good.
6: I, that's right. I'm sorry. I, well, you're not Curtis, so I can ask that.
2: <laughs> that's right.
6: Uh, I agree with you about the uh, party uh, labels. I, I mean, I can never understand why they they say, you know, the state is uh, Republican, the state is Democrat, the state is rare, the, to me it depends on the candidate that's why I became an independent
2: well you're so I, right, Karen, and just and I'll let you finish your point but uh, to add to what you're saying, a lot of the people the a lot of the reason that people tend to register Democrat or Republican. It has to do with national issues. Maybe they're pro-life, so they're more likely to register um, uh, as Republican. Maybe they're uh, pro-death penalty, so they're more likely to register as Republican. Maybe they're uh, against flag-burning, they're more likely to register as Republican. None of those are issues that the mayor of New York City has anything to do with. So to the fact that people let their votes on local matters be determined by their philosophy or their ideology on these big national or international issues, it makes no sense, to your point.
6: Well, like you said, I mean, these aren't local issues, they're national issues, so it should involve everybody.
2: Right? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed, Karen. I think we're on the uh, I think we're on the same page. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. That's uh, 800-848-9222. Stanley is in Astoria. Hello, Stanley. Hi, Frank.
19: Big fan of the show since the beginning. You're doing a great job. Well, that's awfully nice of you. Thank you. Hey, I was wondering. uh You seem to have moved away from the Doug McIntyre bumper music that you would be using for a while. Was there a problem with the copyright or something like that? You know, it's a good
2: question. Uh, We played it all. We played all the songs that Doug had sent me at one time or another. See, when the show first started, I was trying to maintain the same thing I had done at uh, my prior radio station, which was never to play the same bumper music um, twice and always have original bumper music, and always have it different. But then um, we, we ran into some issues where we could only play songs from a pre-approved list, and that significantly limited the songs that we were able to play. So I don't know where the songs that Doug sent us fell into that category, but uh, Doug has great taste in music, and uh, I, I, if, uh, if, if we have gotten away from it, I'll, I'll try and push us back in that direction a little bit. Uh thanks, Frank. And, and one thing
19: I would just want to say about Curtis, it seems like as you move further and further into the Curtis Sliwa show, as he's going overnight, he 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 seems to hit his stride as you go longer into the show. If you're not watch, if you're not listening to the show from the beginning, and you you're into the fourth third hour or something, you've missed a lot of what he's led up to.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think it's a show that is meant to be listened to holistically. I would agree with that completely. All right, Frank, keep up uh, the good work and uh, congratulations on the arrival of your son. Oh, that's awfully nice of you, Stanley. I appreciate that. Thank you. 800-848-9222. I think we have now thrown in the towel, much like the golden boy Arnold Skolan did when Bob Backlund was in the throes of um, the Iron Cheeks Camel Clutch. And uh, we are not going to speak with Ralph Ellis, which is certainly a disappointment to me. I uh, had spent a significant amount of time researching his work and coming up with uh, some interesting questions for him. But apparently I should have spent more time researching whether or not he had a telephone. So uh, that leaves us the next 15 minutes to have open phones. 800-848-WABC. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 charles is in queens hello charles yes hi great show as usual thanks um i want to say give a child an inch
15: and he thinks he's a ruler now the same thing when we somebody makes an assault a violent assault with a weapon and we call it um we downsize it to jaywalking you know He's a ruler. He does it again and again and again. It's like this, we're having this topic that's going on in today's American culture. It's like, is this for real? It doesn't even make sense. How are the DAs or the people who come up with these laws not directly liable for the crime? It's like when the guy let, lets him go and he has a rap sheet a mile long, you can ask him, is he, this guy going to do it again? He'll say yes. So <laughs> he knows what's going to happen. Why is he not liable? I don't get it.
2: Well, uh, that is a great, great question, and um, it's something that a lot of people have complained about over the years. And basically it's a doctrine of something called sovereign immunity. And the other problem I have uh, is not just when you let these repeat offenders go or you uh, don't prosecute them and they go back out on the streets, is what happens if you arrest someone who's innocent? Well, the fact of the matter is there are almost zero consequences for wrongful arrests of innocent people. Zero. It's perverse. And there is a new lawsuit in Loveland, Colorado, that is targeting a police officer who allegedly has a history of wrongful arrests that have gone unpunished by police officials. In my view... Um, I am watching this lawsuit very closely, and I'm thinking of maybe inviting one of the litigants or the lawyer that filed the lawsuit on, because this cop in Colorado has a history of wrongful DUI arrests. And this pilot in um, Colorado is claiming that the Loveland Police Department just keeps arresting people for drunk driving because of this one officer. And the breath and the blood tests that this pilot took on the night of January 4th showed zero intoxicants in his system. Zero. But based on this cop's take on the events that night, he was arrested anyway. Now, that's not right. That should not be permitted. And yet, there are zero consequences again and again. The incident happened um, in Colorado, but... There are similar incidents of innocent people being arrested elsewhere. Where are the consequences? And I think that is sorely lacking. 800 wabc That's 800 Let me say hello to Pete in the Poconos. Hello, Pete. Yes, how are you doing? I uh, was wondering if you ever heard of Ron Wyatt. Yes, he, he was an oh, interesting yeah. guy. He uh, – oh. didn't he visit Noah's Ark at some point or right. the site of Noah's Ark? Yeah. he w- He's passed away a few years now, but he was a um, an interesting guy, and he would take basically events that were depicted in the Bible, including the site of where Noah's Ark was, and go there and uh, explore. And look, people – Doubted some of his discoveries, but I found him to be—he's uh, almost—he almost reminds me in some ways of Ralph Ellis, who we were going to talk to.
20: Right, right.
13: Yeah, he's got a DVD out called "Presentation of Discoveries," and it lists and you know it shows films where he's gone. Besides Noah's Ark, uh, he's also what appears to be the site of Sodom and Gomorrah, the
2: Red Sea crossing with chariots underwater, the remains of them. Yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah, he was Mount Sinai with the black and top. Definitely an interesting guy, and he's somebody that I'm sorry that I never had the opportunity to interview. Thank you for the call, though, Pete. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Jimmy is on Staten Island. Hello, Jimmy. Hi, Frank. How's
21: my little nephew doing? I hope he's doing well, Carmine.
2: Yeah, he's doing great. He's still waiting for uh, that that gift that gift from Uncle Jimmy, but he's doing okay.
21: Uh, don't worry about it. I put the boost in the envelope. Uh, in Excellent. In the mail, you'll get it soon Excellent. enough. Frank, uh, Mr. Marano, let me just say something. You know what I miss very much on your show, which lured me to you, and I haven't stopped listening to you yet. Um, I love all the uh, UFOs. I love this. this is why I, um, forgive me. I don't know his name, but he's a professor or an astrophysicist. He talks in depth about the stars and black holes and so on, that he had me almost crawling into my radio. I don't hear much of him on your show anymore. And I don't need to sound this way, but I'm going to sound this way because I'm a Gavon from Staten Island. Listen, how come... We don't hear politics. You can hear every minute that you make, they make you want to throw up. But I want to hear more about that, more about the interesting things on the other side of life. This life here, everybody's a the pump on Now, you had that other woman on. She's saying, why don't we put barriers on the train tracks? They do it in Germany. They do it in Japan. Now, what are we really becoming over here? What are we becoming? Like in 1939, you want to stop putting barriers up? Soon we'll have guards on the train today. We need a mayor. We need cops to do what they used to do years ago. Now, I don't know if you remember the story of that young woman, uh, Kitty Genovese.
2: Yes, yeah. I've talked about Kitty Genovese before. By the way, yeah, I well, think. Again, I, well, J- Jimmy, I'll take I'll a, a breath. I'm going to put you on hold because you don't want to take a breath. Um, the person that I think you're talking about, that I talk astronomy with, is Steve Cates, a.k.a. Dr. Sky. Steve Cates has been on this show more than any guest that we've had since the beginning of the show. He's been on more than any. He was on two weeks ago. He's going to be on again uh, in six days. He's going to be on January 26th. And we have him on for a whole hour. So uh, I think if you're not hearing enough Steve Cates, part of the problem is you might not be listening to all four hours of the show. Two, in terms of UFO talk, I do a ton of UFO talk. I get criticized in the Facebook group for uh, I'm staying I'm standing I'm sitting next to an alien right now. Prometheus. I get criticized in the Facebook group because of all the UFO talk that I do. I did an hour with Stephen Bassett the other day on uh, who's a lobbyist on the issue of UFO disclosure. If you look at every major advocate of UFO disclosure, every major UFO journalist or UAP journalist, I, they've had them on the show. Uh, But in terms of um, uh, that woman, uh, I believe it was uh, Jackie or Janet, advocating for barriers on the subway, uh, I think you're way off base comparing that to 1939. To say that we should have some sort of barrier on the subway so that people don't get pushed onto the tracks or people don't drunkenly fall onto the tracks, uh, to to compare that to the Nazis – there's no comparison. I mean, one was a, an attempted extermination of six million people. No, an actual extermination of six million people, an attempted genocide. And the other is sort of a common sense safety measure that's used in a lot of places around the world. So I, I, I think you're a little off base on that one, Jimmy. But I, I appreciate, the, uh, appreciate the suggestion. Thank you. Sean is in the boogie down Bronx. I have a feeling this is actually Paul, a.k.a. the Irishman, but we'll see. Hello, Sean.
16: Yes, it is. You normally call on another subject. I won't touch on that, but I was with the New York City Transit Police in 1991. I came into my command one morning, and we had flyers in our mailboxes from a fictitious white supremacist organization called the Blue Order. The letters were obviously investigated by Internal Affairs. Chief Bratton got the FBI involved. The letters were traced back to Eric Adams' brother's typewriter ribbon where he was working in Midtown South or Midtown North as a, another cop hiding like his brother. Is that so this? Uh, is that? Tr- do you have any? Um,
2: do you have any documentation on that, Sean or Paul or Irishman that you could send me?
16: I didn't save it because it's literally thirty years ago. But I, like I had gotten through on the radio before, during the campaign. Uh, When they were trying to uh, foil Eric Adams' NYPD records, I said repeatedly, go after his New York City Transit Police records from the New York City Transit Authority.
2: Right. Well, it is interesting if that's the case, Sean, and I I had not uh, heard that. And I know there were attempts to go after a lot of different aspects of Eric Adams' police record. Look, uh, I, I think Eric Adams has done some good things as mayor. Bringing back putative segregation at the city's jail system, that's a positive. Standing up to the teachers' union and wanting in-person learning, that's a positive. Um, his actually showing up to the scenes of crimes right after they happen, not sh- not showing up as Bill de Blasio did, that's a positive thing. Uh, appointing Jimmy Otto and Eric Ulrich, two prominent Republican politicians, to high-profile uh, places in his administration, those are positive things. Asking for every city agency to cut their budget by 2 or 3%, that's a positive thing. Then he does these things that are just, uh, they just defy understanding. Why he would appoint someone like Philip Banks, who if he's not overtly corrupt, certainly fits into the shady category. Why he would appoint somebody like Philip Banks, who magically had a couple of hundred thousand dollars in his bank account that he couldn't explain. And if you look at the reporting on what he did with that few hundred thousand dollars, it looks a lot like money laundering. Why he would choose to make that person his deputy mayor is beyond me. Then to use, uh, the fact that he would pick his brother and try to make that person the deputy commissioner of the NYPD without even so much as getting approval from the Conflict of Interest Board beforehand – That's crazy. And then to blame that on white supremacists, it defies logic. But that's what you're going to get with Eric Adams. One day, he's going to be the greatest mayor ever. The next day, he's going to leave you scratching your head and say, I can't believe he did that. That's what he's done his whole career. One day, he's just a wild man. The next day, he's just crazy. And, um, you know, I I think the, the people that have compared him to Trump there are some similarities there because policy-wise, he's done some pretty sane and sober things. But in terms of stylistically, in terms of the nutty things he says, in terms of some of the personnel decisions he's made, it's just crazy. So uh, we'll get into that, uh, I'm sure, over the next three years and 11 months a great deal. 800 848 This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. other side of midnight. I am Frank Moreno, uh, taking your calls on any subject right now uh, for the next couple of minutes. By the way, tomorrow we do something similar to this on Fridays where we answer your question from uh, 1 to 2 a.m. on any subject. And we get a lot of interesting questions. Last week especially, we we got a lot of interesting questions. Uh, Tomorrow um, we are actually going to do two hours of that. So we're going to give you a full day to come up with interesting questions. We are going to give out prizes for the best questions tomorrow. So prepare for that. And uh, if you want to submit a question by email, we'll try and get to those as well. We're not going to do that every week. That is a one-time only treat for you, uh, for those of you that like that segment. 800-848-WABC. Paul is on Staten Island. Hello, Paul.
19: Hey, hello, Frank. How's everything?
2: Uh, well, de- that depends on the weather, I suppose. <laughs> Are you going to be like Curtis, say you've seen better days? <laughs> oh, please, no. Curtis steals my line. It doesn't go the other way. I know. He's a cod Curtis. That he is. What a
14: maluka. A joker.
2: <laughs> do you do you remember wow. Sweet Hansen, the wrestler? Yes, absolutely. I, I, uh, I really. I watched uh, Sweet Hansen towards the very end of his career uh, when he was being yeah. managed by Classy Freddie Blassie. I sort of missed him. Freddie Blassie, wow! In, I, I missed him in his prime. I didn't get to see him in his prime, but uh, certainly one of the great legends in uh, three or four different promotions. we big in the NWA, big in the WWF, and uh, big in the territories. Yes. He uh, had a career. He had a career going yes. about thirty years, which is pretty rare in the world of pro wrestling. When when
19: the um I was five years old, I was in Saint Mary's Catholic School on eighty fifth
14: street in Brooklyn.
19: I don't know how they did it. They had a wrestling night from and they actually had him there. Oh cool. Wrestling at the school. I don't, know, I don't know if you're younger. I'm 49, so I don't know if you're younger or old. Like, I, I'm guessing you're younger than them. I don't know if you, you probably won't remember that. But I, I don't know how the heck they got him there. That's pretty cool. And there was a couple of the mainstreamers there at the time, too.
2: Yeah. I don't know how they did it. Hey, I got to run, Paul. Thank you. Uh, Frank Diaz is waiting in the wings, and Frank Diaz gets very upset. Oh, uh, Bob Brown, who gets even more. Frank Diaz gets so upset, he stopped doing the news. Bob Brown uh, with the news coming up. Uh, hey, coming up next... A female manager coming to pro baseball. Until next hour, your influence counts, so use it.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
2: Is the other side of midnight? I am Frank Moreno. Uh, I am a huge baseball fan, always have been, and uh, I, uh, since the time I was a child. And I really have uh, always been just, uh, I love playing baseball still. I love uh, watching baseball, any kind of baseball, high school, uh, college, major league. But over the last 20 years or so, I have really become a quite a fan of minor league baseball. And two years ago, when Major League Baseball really worked to destroy minor league baseball and uh, do that contraction and disappoint a lot of fans all over the country. That was a horrible thing. And I'm glad that our owner, John Katsimatidis, stepped up for baseball fans in our area by relaunching what was the Staten Island Yankees as uh, an independent league team that's going to be uh, next uh, coming out next year, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And I, I'm thinking of getting season tickets to the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. I'm really looking forward to their season. But... Minor league baseball is a lot of fun, and you get the sense that a lot of the players are motivated not by money, but by a love of the game, a desire to get to the major leagues. Now, there are aspects of minor league baseball that I'm not crazy about. The biggest one that comes to mind is that there are... There's a designated hitter throughout minor league baseball. I don't know what the case is with this new independent league team. I have to do some research on that. But I am a, not an advocate of the DH. I think the way we've had it in baseball for the better part of the last 45 years, where it's the DH in the American League and then pitchers bat in the National League, I think that's great because with, Amer- with the interleague play, you get the best of both more worlds. But looks like my view is... Uh, Not going to amount to a hill of beans because it looks like the DH is going to come to the National League as well. But the reason I mention that is because we've seen in the past things are experimented with in minor league baseball and then they're adopted in major league baseball. And I'm wondering if that trend will apply to our next story. Rachel Balkovec will become the first female manager in affiliated professional baseball after the Yankees have tapped her to lead the Tampa Tarpons, their low-A affiliate. So this is a 34-year-old woman that is going to be managing an all-male professional baseball team. I'm curious what you think about that. 800-848-WABC. Is it more power to her as long as she can do the job? 800 Is this something that we're going to see more of? This is not the first glass ceiling that Rachel Balkovic has shattered. She's been a baseball coach for ten years, and has so often been the first woman to hold different jobs. The, first, the she was uh, the you know she was a batting coach for a professional baseball uh, team, and we've seen other women do some co- have some coaching jobs. Last year, Bianca Smith made history as the first Black woman to coach in professional baseball after joining the Boston Red Sox staff. And uh, we've seen, uh, certainly at the front office level, people like Kim Ng become the first female general manager of a Major League Baseball team just two years ago. It is interesting that it took until 2020 for a female to become the uh, a general manager of a baseball team because you would think that a front office job like general manager, that that would uh, be something that, women would have conquered a long time ago. Whereas I could understand why it's taken a while for uh, male, uh, excuse me, female coaches and managers to break that glass ceiling because a lot of the people that tend to become baseball coaches and baseball managers are generally former players. So if there are no females in professional baseball, then you would think it's less likely that they're going to become coaches and managers. But now, I'm wondering, Rachel Balkovec is very young. Let's say she puts in a very winning record with this Tampa Yankees affiliate. Will they move her up to AA or AAA or maybe even the major leagues? By the time she's 50... Will we be talking about Rachel Balkovec or someone like Rachel Balkovec as the first woman to manage a major league team? What do you think of that? Is there anything about being a woman that makes it difficult to manage a team full of men? if you want to comment. That's 1-800-848-WABC. She's been a coach for, as I said, about 10 years. She started as a strength and conditioning coach for for a minor league team affiliated with the St. Louis Cardinals. She left in 2015 to be the Houston Astros Latin American strength and conditioning coach. And uh, then she took a few years off from American professional baseball to complete a master's degree in biomechanics in the Netherlands, and then she was hired by the Yankees after graduating as a minor league hitting coach, I think, for the Hudson Valley team, and they have a beautiful ballpark over there in Hudson Valley that I've been to. So I'm curious what you think of this. Uh, Men, women alike weigh in. Is Major League Baseball ready for a female manager? If you're a baseball fan, male or female, do you have any problem with this? 800-848-9222. 800 I was thinking about this because I don't like to see people hired just because of their gender or their ethnicity. But I don't think that's what's happening here. This woman seems eminently qualified. She's been a, ha- a hitting instructor. She's been a strength and conditioning coach. I don't see what's wrong with having a female manager of an all-male team. I, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the movie A League of Their Own, which is based on real life events when there was a, a big professional uh, baseball league that was populated by women during World War II because so many of the the male players had got summoned off to fight in the war. And a lot of those female teams were managed by uh, male ex-players like Jimmy Fox. And then there was a female professional baseball team, I think it was called the Silver Bullets, and they had a manager uh, that was a male. It was either the film uh, Phil, Phil Necro or Joe Necro that was the manager of that team. So we've seen it go the other way. What's wrong with having a female manager? Let me know what you think. 800 We have wide open lines. All eight lines are open if you want to comment. 800-848-WABC. Speaking of sports, though, you might remember a couple of days ago, I mentioned that there was uh, record ratings for this football season compared to the last five years. Well, those ratings continued into the playoffs last weekend, and I'm not surprised. I was I watched football all weekend last weekend. TV ratings for the NFL car NFL wild card round increased 21 percent over last year. Wow! In spite of the fact that games were not in doubt going into the fourth quarter. So the six games that were on last weekend, they averaged 30.5 million viewers, making it the second highest average for the postseason's opening weekend over the past six seasons. That is wild. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to repeat the whole segment that we did the other day, but a big factor in that is gambling. The legalization and the expansion of sports gambling is leading to more people watching these football games. Uh, I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that. Some good games on this weekend. I'm looking forward to watching some football. I think we're going to be home Sunday. Saturday, we are taking uh, little Carmine on his first trip to Long Island, to his grandmother's house. And uh, my siblings-in-law usually have the games on there. But you know what they do, which I just hate? They do that NFL... um, that that package, Red Zone, NFL Red Zone, where they don't show you one game. They just take you to whatever. They go, go to all the games, whatever game's close to scoring, they bring you there. So I don't like that, but whatever. It's not my house. I have to kind of defer to whatever they want to watch, however they want to watch it. So I'm hoping that by complaining about it on the radio, my complaints will trickle down to some of my siblings-in-law, and somebody will say, hey, you know, this drives Frank's crazy, this attention deficit disorder viewing of football. Maybe we can just watch one game, but we'll see. Not holding out hope. Although I don't know how many of the games are on at the same time. I have to check the schedule. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Matt, are you a baseball fan at all?
0: Not anymore. When I was a kid, I was a big Yankee fan. not Back in the old days of... Greg Nettles and Chris Chambliss and Willie Randolph, Jackson. And what What
2: diminished your enthusiasm? I think
0: just as I got older, I I played Little League. I played two years, just regular Little League. And then once you get to, you go from Little League, and then it's Babe Ruth League. And I never went to Babe Ruth. And then I just got interested in other things. Yeah, that's what happens. I was a musician. I was more into wrestling than anything else in terms of sports at that time. Do you
2: you have an opinion on uh, this uh, female baseball manager?
0: I think if, if she knows the game, she should be a manager. I mean, it's, yeah. it's knowing the game. I, I, when we were talking, I was thinking about the movie Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. You know,
2: that's on my list. I have not seen it
0: yet. And, well, there's a part where Denzel Washington comes in. He's the first black coach of this high school football team. And they took the coach, and they made him the assistant. And he had a daughter who was, like, nine. And it's Hayden Pantiero who plays the daughter. And she knows everything about football. And she's in the stands, and something happens, she's going, come on, don't you see the, the defensive end over there? And she knew everything about football. So it doesn't matter what gender you are. It matters if you know the game. And if she's been a conditioning coach, and she's been a hitting coach, she knows the game of baseball. Yeah,
2: I, t- I tend to agree with you. I'm curious what you think. Eight hundred eight four eight 848 seven open lines if you want to weigh in. Um, both Matt and I are in agreement that if Rachel Balkovic knows the game and she does well, or any other woman, why shouldn't she be given an opportunity to manage a professional baseball team? 800-848-9222. Ted in the Garden State. You you disagree, Ted.
19: It's uh, Kevin.
2: Oh, it's Kevin. Right. I'm sorry. We got You, yes, you got Ryan. No, that's all right. It's okay.
19: No worries. No worries. We're so, suffering uh, from Philip yeah, withdrawal. That, it's okay. I think like you were saying that, I, you know, if she was in a front office, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but... Generally, on the field, you know, it's for, it's usually former players. Now, the last time she probably played baseball was probably in Little League. She
2: well, I mean, she might have played softball. She episodes. might have played in college. You know I,
19: mean? I don't know. I don't know too many females that play college baseball. You know what I mean? I think it's just another gimmick. It's like, you know, Branch Rickey when he played the midget, right? I mean...
9: Yeah, it's, Eddie. I, I Eddie I Goodell. I, I think Eddie the Goodell.
19: Yankees. The Yankees. Yeah, exactly. I think the Yankees. You know, they've been woke for a while. They were the first team to cancel when they canceled Kate Smith singing "God Bless America." I, I really just think it's a it's a ploy. I think it's a, it's a gimmick. You know. Well,
2: you might be right, uh, Kevin. But um, let's say she does know the game well. Let's say she does have a good track record as, uh, as manager of this uh, this team in Tampa. Should she be given other opportunities to manage up the uh, up the up the up the line here? Let's say it is a gimmick, uh, but you know what? A lot of people say that uh, you know Branch Rickey bringing Jackie Robinson in from the Negro Leagues was an attempt by him to get black audiences to watch baseball, and maybe it did work. Maybe it did inure to the Dodgers' benefit. If it is a gimmick, if it works, if she manages well, why shouldn't she and other women? be given more opportunities. We've seen the difficulty that major league baseball is having retaining younger fans. They're losing younger fans by the boatload. Maybe this is a way to turn that around. Yeah, I
19: mean I sure absolutely. You know, God bless her. If she if she if she does succeed, you know, she deserves everything she gets, but I mean she wasn't even the head coach of a high school team yet. She was a strength and conditioning coach. Well, you know and, I mean? and a hitting coach. A manager. And a hitting coach. Well, I hate, yeah, I guess hitting, I guess, yeah. So, I mean, that's a little... I mean, I have no idea you
2: know. how good of a, or, or poor of a hitting coach he was. But, um, yeah, I, I, look, I prefer managers, at least at the major league level, who have some managerial experience. Not everybody, uh, I mean, the New York Mets clearly have not had that preference, uh, hiring, with the exception <laughs> of Buck Showalter, manager after manager with no managerial experience.
14: Yeah,
19: I guess, you know, ceilings are meant to be broken, right? So, you know, good luck to her. I'm a a Yankee fan, so I hope she does do good because, you know, it's going to lead up to the the major leagues, obviously, you know, if
13: she develops the players at the lower level. So we'll see.
2: Uh, this is true, Kevin. Kevin, thank you for the call. If you want to comment, eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Coming up in about ten minutes, we're going to talk with Scott Chronic for the AC Report. There's a whole lot of news happening in Atlantic City with respect to the uh, with respect to everything, um, dining, nightlife, gambling, you name it. So we're going to get into that with Scott Chronic in uh, just a few minutes. He is a journalist out there and a business owner. Out there, so I'm looking forward to that conversation very much. Hey, before we get to the AC report, though, you're still welcome to comment on the glass ceiling being broken in baseball. But there was one story that I just loved Um, New York Times from over the weekend. Apparently, this is the headline in the smartphone era, millennials are buying film cameras. And just as they did with vinyl records, just as we saw, and it wasn't just the millennials, but the millennials were part of it, just as we saw a comeback with typewriters, we are seeing a huge comeback for film cameras. There is a, an interesting column by Alexis Benvenisti, and she goes on and on about how film. Which was almost extinct a few years ago, is now in the midst of making a monstrous comeback between because of Generation Zers and Millennials. Anal- uh, this is a, a quote from um, D- uh, Dana Isom Johnson, who is a trend expert at Etsy. Analog devices have become a novelty, particularly amongst younger shoppers who've grown up in a fully digital era. And she compared the renewed interest in film cameras to the resurgence in vinyl records. Both revived trends evoke feelings of nostalgia and remind shoppers of simpler times in decades past. It's so interesting because one of the the gifts that I got my wife for Christmas was a Polaroid camera, Polaroid film camera. And she loves it. She's taken pictures like crazy. She's uh, taken the photo and she's given them to people right there. And uh, she actually... W- took a photo of my son today, and and w- with with the two of us, and she thanked me uh, for giving her that gift, and that's pretty rare. Almost a month after Christmas, she's still re thanking me for gifts. That's very rare. Um, and I I will tell you, I've been enjoying as well. I opened my wallet a week or two ago. It's a, it's a mini Polaroid camera, so it prints small pictures. I opened my wallet a week or two ago. And I went to reach for my credit card, and I saw my wife had put a small little Polaroid photo of my son in there, and it made my day. Made my day. I was going to pay for something, gas or something, and I go and see this this picture of my son, this cute picture of my son, and it made my day. So she is part of this embrace of the film revival. That is not my son, Carmine. I want to be very clear. Uh, But. I would love, I've said this before, I would love to get the millennials and the Generation Zers to embrace terrestrial radio. Because I'd love for terrestrial radio to see the same kind of comeback that vinyl records have, that film cameras have, and that uh, typewriters had. Because even radio companies, if you've noticed, and I'm not talking about our station, but other radio companies... They're moving away from traditional radio. Everything is digital, digital, digital. Podcast, podcast, podcast. I really love tuning a good old fashioned transistor radio, working your way through the static on the AM dial, and finding the station that you're looking for. Or the best feeling in the world is whether you're in a car or just turning the dial on a regular radio, and you're just tuning the dial or you're pressing scan on your car radio. And you're waiting to, and you're looking for something, and suddenly a station comes in that you didn't know you got. But for whatever reason, the weather at that time of day, uh, at that particular moment, brings in a station from Buffalo or Boston or Canada or whatever, or some station that you don't usually get, and you discover a new radio program. Uh, that a lot of people that have discovered me that way. These days with Everything being podcast and on-demand listening, we're losing a little bit of that. So I am a big believer in trying to bring back radio. And when I say radio, I don't mean the programming that's on WABC, WOR, AM nine seventy, whatever Z one hundred. I am talking about good old-fashioned radio listening. Molly, uh, I got her as a Christmas gift a radio. I get radios for in the in the at my dad's Christmas Eve party, there's like a steal Kris Kringle where everybody gets a gift and then people can steal it. I got a radio for that. I always give radios as gifts. Radio is a wonderful gift. And you know what? If the snowstorm that's coming in a couple of hours, it, it knocks everybody's Internet out. If it knocks everybody's power out, you are going to be thankful that I gave you a radio. So if you have a millennial or a Generation z in your life, go to them. And say, please, millennial, please, Gen Zer, bring back the radio and embrace the radio the way you have the vinyl record. Because eventually, and there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell on this, uh, it's called The Tipping Point. Eventually, you need about 20% of them to do it, and then it's universal. So we have to get to that tipping point of 20% of millennials or Gen Zers. Once we get to 20%, Using a good old fashioned radio, then forget about it. We'll be we'll be golden. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. If you want to comment, eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Corey is in Brookline. Hello, Corey. Hey Frank. So according to Curtis, how how large is
18: Carl uh, Carmine now? Thirty six pounds.
2: Yeah. In in reality, he's ten pounds and ten ounces. <laughs> but yes, I, I think according to Curtis, uh, he weighs more than I do at this point. Actually.
18: Right. Uh but but my, my comment was on uh the lady uh uh baseball coach and I say absolutely just like it's it's like saying women shouldn't be police officers or fa- EMS firefighters.
2: Yeah, well I think That's it's even look look, you could, there are female firefighters uh but it's pretty rare. And I think part of that is because of the physical rigors of uh, the job of a firefighter. There are not a lot of women that can meet the same standards that that male firefighters can. And I think that's part of the reason why there's so few of them. But when it comes to being a baseball manager – and thanks for the call, Corey – when it comes to being a baseball manager, there's no reason you can't strategize – and uh, platoon players and hit-and-run and implement sabermetrics and uh, do the overshift and do this and do that. There's no reason that a female manager can't do that just as well as a male manager. It, look, if you listen to Susan Waldman, I'm a Met fan. I find Susan Waldman a little annoying, to be honest. But the one thing you can't doubt is Susan Waldman's knowledge of the game of baseball. And as, as irritating as she might be... Um, She's incredibly knowledgeable. So uh, I don't see any reason why a female manager couldn't do just as well as a male manager. Disagree if you like, 800-848-9222. Hey, we're going to talk Atlantic City next with Scott Chronic. There's a whole lot happening in Atlantic City. Uh, Scott Cron- Cronick is a switch hitter. He is both a journalist and an Atlantic City business owner. We're going to ask him to comment on both of the hats that he's been wearing uh, when we do the AC report straight ahead.
9: WABC. This
1: is the AC Report.
2: He blew up his house too Down on the boardwalk They're ready for a fight Gonna see what them Racket boys can do Now there's trouble busting in From out of state And the D.A. can't get No relief
9: Gonna be a rumble On the promenade
6: and the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth.
9: Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday he comes back. Put your makeup on, fish your hair on. Ah,
2: yes, it is time for our weekly look at Monopoly City, the Vegas of the East, a city which is just as much a... Resort destination for people from Philadelphia, as it is from pe- for people from New York City, one of the most interesting cities in all the world, happens to be Atlantic City, and a lot of people have really taken to this segment, actually much more so than I ever anticipated. I, I expected that people who like going to Atlantic City would like to hear coverage of it, but I've been really overwhelmed uh, by the people over the course of the last year and a half who say they haven't been to Atlantic City in 20 years, but they still enjoy about hearing all the interesting things that happen there because it's such an interesting town. A guy who has his finger on the pulse of precisely what is happening on the 48 blocks of Atlantic City is Scott Cronick. He is the editor of AC Weekly. He is the director of entertainment operations for the press of Atlantic City. He's a radio talk show host down there, and he also happens to be the co-owner of the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall. Scott, thanks so much for uh, getting up early for us.
17: Oh, anytime, buddy.
2: Uh, well, Scott, uh, so w- one of the things about Atlantic City, even when it, when it was at its nadir, when it was really struggling financially and in terms of morale and in terms of all these other areas, it always tended to do pretty well during the summer and the four weeks before summer, the four weeks after summer. Winter is usually a different story. What are you seeing down there in terms of how busy Atlantic City's been now that it's winter and it's cold out and people can't hang out on the beach?
17: Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what we're not seeing is a lot of people. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, it is, uh, it is dead. It is quiet. It is, um, you know, actually a beautiful time to come down here if you like that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, you have all the spots to yourselves. You have the boardwalk to yourselves. But uh, it is a little eerie too. So it depends how you look at it. But for me as a business owner, it could be uh, downright depressing, uh, and it, and it is. But um, you know, I would say that. It's gotten a little better over the years until COVID hit. You know, when COVID hit, that's sort of put everything uh, back, set everything back 10 years. It's uh, This year uh, is probably the worst since – it's even worse than last year because of the Omicron uh, surge. It's been really, really bad for Atlantic City, uh, particularly small businesses for – from what I understand, the casino, they're still doing OK on weekends, but the weekdays are tough. But for us small businesses, it's uh, it, it's pretty bad right now.
2: Now, why is that? Is that because uh, people are having a reluctance to come down there or because there's I, I I know there's not much in the way of restrictions, right? No vaccine passport, no mask mandates.
17: No, no. It's it's totally, totally free to come and do as you please. Like it was, uh, you know, two, you know, 2017. But, you know, the the thing is. What's, what's, uh, I think it's the only concern I think people are scared of it. I think that, you know, of course, uh, the media doesn't help in that department to make things, people scared of it. But I also think the weather hasn't helped. It's been really a very, very harsh winter, even though it's an early winter. I mean, uh, we've, we've had more snow here this year already than we've had uh, all of the last two years combined. It's been a brutal winter. We're going to get more today. It's been cold. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania's had a lot of snow. And a lot of bad weather, and I just think that, uh, you know, money's tight, especially from last year. It's, it's worse than last year because all that stimulus money is not out there, Frank. Uh, you know, when you think I about see. it, uh, uh, people had a lot of money in their pockets, and they spent it.
2: One of the things that you brought to our attention was uh, maybe 10 months ago, there was a big problem with staff, uh, not only at the smaller businesses but the larger ones. Even big hotels like the Borgata weren't able to open to capacity because they weren't able to hire enough people to service all these rooms. What is the situation like in terms of staff shortages now? Now that the government stimulus has diminished, are, are businesses down there still having a tough time hiring people?
17: Oh yeah, in a in a big way. In fact, I was they came to me. I don't know how I became the spokesperson for this, but I actually had NBC Nightly News uh, come on and do a segment that I was featured on uh, for the whole city. Uh and you know, we were on national news about this topic and uh it has not gotten any better. It's it's dire. Uh you have the casinos. Uh, I'll give you an example. We had Caesars on my show, my radio show yesterday. And this was their restaurant Nero's, a great restaurant by the way if anybody's looking for somewhere to go. Great steakhouse. And uh Before they, they, you know, I said, Hey, did we get to everything? You know, like you probably usually do as a radio host. And I said, Yeah, they said, Oh, yeah, I think so. And they said, Oh, wait a minute. No, no, we're hiring, by the way, at all positions. Please go to Caesars.com or whatever they were given the website. And I was like, Wow, that goes to show you. This was a restaurant manager who was so. Desperate for help that at the end of the interview she 's pleading for people to come work wow. for them and that 's the case of how it is everywhere. Joe Lupo, the president of Hard Rock comes, on my show, he said that I think they could hire five hundred people right now there 's more than two thousand jobs available uh, throughout the casinos that 's just the casinos that 's not talking about small businesses uh, or anything in the you know in the outskirts of atlantic city that 's just the casinos, two thousand jobs available. And uh, they can hire people right now, and these are good jobs, right? These are full-time jobs, a lot of them, and uh, they just can't—they just can't fill the positions.
2: That is something. Now, you, as I mentioned, are the co-owner of Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall, a great place to hang out, a fun place to drink, but also a great restaurant with great food. Are you experiencing you. Uh, staff shortages?
17: Well, no, not now. It's the off season, now. like I said, we're we're struggling right now. It's been hard, hard mm. winter, but. We're okay. The small businesses are okay. In fact, we're hoping that we can keep the people that we have, uh, you know, because they're coming in, you know, on a bad day, they might walk out with not a whole lot of money. We're hoping that they don't go to the casinos and pick up a job because we we hope to retain them. So when it does pick up again, we're going to be okay. And you know, February around Valentine's Day is when things break for us, uh, and then you know Columbus weekend, and uh, and then by the time uh, St. Patrick's Day rolls on, we'll be okay. But uh, January and the end of December have been a challenge, to say the least.
2: Now uh, you and we're talking with Scott Cronick. Uh, he is a, a journalist, a radio talk show host in Atlantic City, and also the uh, co-owner of the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall. You mentioned that now's not a bad time to visit because it's not too crowded. Let's say people are listening to us, Scott, that aren't gamblers if you go down there uh, to atlantic city now obviously beach life is pretty limited there's still great restaurants there's still great bars beyond that um what are if any the key activities for the non-gamblers in our audience
17: oh, by the way it disturbs me when i heard you uh, give me an intro that people haven't been here for 20 years i i hope i hope we could well, here's bit your chance
2: that. to win exactly. them over win them over
17: yeah yeah so so uh, again i mean you know i think you know i think i tout this more than anybody is that you know we have more headlining entertainment and more music mm. and more mm. concerts and more things than than most cities in the in the country uh and, and that's because you have Ten casinos who are all trying to get people in there on weekends. So on an average weekend, you, you could have you know you could have ten to fifteen headliners, not counting boxing or MMA or or, or what might be happening down here. Uh, and and there's always something to do, and and that's constant. And you know I could say like in the winter or, or maybe I don't know. Like if you even look at New York City, Frank, you would know better than me. But if you take away the like the small comedy clubs and things like that, you're not going to find. As many headliners in New York City on a week that you will in Atlantic City. I mean, so uh, the only other rival city might be Las Vegas. You know, the, the, definitely Las Vegas. They they blow us away. But the point is, is that you can come down here and always find some. This weekend, we're gonna have a championship boxing event at Borgata for the first time in 15 years. Uh, there's a light a light um, a uh, a lightweight fight. Well, with an undefeated fighter who's gonna be here at Borgata and Borgata's gonna get back to the fighting game. That's encouraging. Uh, so there's always there's always stuff to do and again, you know, we have amazing restaurants here from celebrity chefs or chefs you may never heard of, branded restaurants to always go to, so that's always fun. The sports books are jumping and especially this time of year playoff weekend uh was last weekend it was huge at the sports books they continue this weekend and you know these sports books frank are like you know las vegas sports books. Oh, yeah. you know they're beautiful with recliners and giant tvs and great food and and they're they're a blast so there's tons of stuff to do here um yeah yeah you know, the outdoor stuff obviously is not happening right now the boardwalk isn't real fun uh you can come visit a place like ours and and experience uh, Atlantic city, smaller. So I go to a place like Tony's bottom or grill, have some great pizza or, you know, or Tony Bolognese have great subs, but yeah, man, it's like, it's like any town this time of year in the Northeast. Well, what do you do? You eat, you maybe go see a show, uh, gamble, go, go you know, go see, maybe go watch some sports and, uh, Uh, maybe sleep an extra hour
2: yeah Um, so let's talk about Atlantic City's future last week uh, at this time we were talking with uh, David Danzis, who's another terrific reporter uh, about this uh, this groundbreaking for the new water park that's going to be at showboat that uh, Bart Blatstein is launching now as a new father I'm pretty excited about this I'm looking forward to taking my son there David was not that excited about it he basically (laughs) was very bullish uh, very bearish on it he did not have a lot of confidence in Bart Blatstein to get this done. And he didn't. He thinks that Atlantic City's future is not necessarily as a family entertainment destination, but more as an adult entertainment destination. Give me your take on this water park. How do you think it's going to do?
17: But you got to remember about 25 years ago, Las Vegas tried this, right? They wanted to try to find that family. Now, now if you go down there, the roller coasters are gone. All those things that they try to do, uh, the ship in front of Treasure Island, I don't think does what it used to do. There's a lot of, you know, now that Hard Rock bought the volcano at mirage, mirage, that volcano will be gone. So, you know, the, those family things that they wanted to do were gone. That didn't work. But I think Atlantic City is a little different, Frank. I think that Atlantic City could be that hybrid. I think that. It would be great to have a water park. I think it would be awesome for uh, people to have that alternative, especially in this off-season, right? I mean, how great would it be to go to an indoor water park? When you asked me that question just a minute ago, I'd be able to say we have a a $100 million indoor water park you can come to, right? Um, And then you could be like a Great Wolf Lodge in the Poconos or whatever. You don't have to go there. You can come here and do that. But – you know, um, Bart Blatstein and I are, are, don't see eye to eye. Uh, we don't. Well, really, how
2: come? Uh, how come? For... Tell it without, you know, uh, airing too much Dirty Laundry. Give us an idea well, of, of why you can make it abstract if you want. Why people might not like Bart Blatstein.
17: Well, you know, on my radio show, I, I'm outspoken and I, I say the truth and sometimes the truth hurts. And uh, he was just uh, um, he just asked somebody to actually uh, you know, tell me to calm down a little bit. And, and I, and I don't think what I say is anything crazy, but you know, here's a guy who took over the pier at Caesars, which was, uh, I wouldn't say it was robust when he took it over, but it was certainly more robust than it is now. It had, uh, two Steven star restaurants, Budokan and continental. It had Phillips seafood. It had a great sushi place. It by the had, way,
2: I love uh, all three of those places, Budokan continental uh, yeah. and Phillips seafood. Those were all great places.
17: Absolutely, I missed them, man. I really Me do. too. It had an, it had an apple sto- at an apple store. It had uh, you know all the all these you know uh, really boutique shops. I think when he took it over, Coach was still there, and you know some major some major brands were still there. And now it's a uh, it's a ghost town in there. All those all those restaurants closed. The entire uh, level where the restaurants there's nothing on it. Most of the stores are done. Apple store is gone. Uh, it's a depressing place, right? So what does he do? He hands it back to Caesar. and Says it's your problem, right? And uh, and and you know, then he goes and buys the showboat, and then he buys the garden pier next to it. The garden pier was the arts Center for Atlantic City. That thing is sat desolate since he bought it. He hasn't done a damn thing since he got it. And the showboat, uh, even though it's it's doing well because he sells rooms very inexpensively. Uh, to people who might not want to pay the higher prices at the casinos, especially during the off season, uh, it's it, he he won't he won't even spend the money to take down signs. The House of Blue sign is on the outside. Inside, there's restaurant signs as you walk in there for places like Scarduzzios and Castanopoli that haven't been there for 10 years. I mean, if you're not going to spend the money to even take signs down to make your place look like a relic, how are you going to spend a hundred million dollars to go to the future? Like I just don't get it. So uh, you know? it sounds but,
2: like you're similarly skeptical that this water park will even come to fruition.
17: Well, listen, I, I want it to me, and I, you know, I keep saying on my show that I'll believe it when my fat ass slides down the main slide there. But you know, the, the truth is, is that I'll go to Bart Blasting. If he'll shake my hand, I'll shake it. I'll say, Bart, I'm sorry. I, I want, I want, I wanted this to happen. I'm glad it happened, and I, and I, I really do uh, wish you the, nothing but the best because I want the success of Atlantic City. It's the most important thing to me. Uh, but you know, he's dealing with. Um, he, he told, he told our newspaper reporter Michelle Post at the press that uh, he has the money for this project and all his money, and then a follow-up story reveals that. The county has to sell about about 90 million dollars worth of bonds uh, and it sounds like they are junk bonds that haven't been even uh, yeah. out to sell yet. and uh, so he doesn't have the money. The money's not there and it looks like it's going to have to be um, funded by the taxpayers uh, through a, not funded by the taxpayers, but it looks like the, the county is going to uh, go out there and put its neck out a little bit. And go after these bonds for Bart Blatstein. So I'm going to have Denny Levinson, the county executive on to explain that a little more. So I don't want to get ahead of it. And I don't want to be wrong about it. But I don't think he has the money. And he told everybody he does. And there's another thing that just kind of, you know, makes me very skeptical.
2: What about the plans, and apparently there's been a groundbreaking for a, or it's, it's, there's poised to be a groundbreaking, for this new boutique hotel on South New York Avenue. I think it's called the Cardinal. Um, I mean, that's certainly, I would think, a sign of good things to come, both in terms of jobs and sure. the fact that people want to invest in Atlantic City, even if it's only a 14-room hotel. Uh, are, you, uh, are you excited about that project?
17: I am. And can I just back up for one second, Frank? And and I don't want to sound like, you know, Bart and I have any kind of, uh, you know, we, we we don't have any kind of business deals that went bad. I don't know him personally. I don't really, I, I'm only speaking from a guy who's like a, an outsider, but sure, I, I, I I get... what he did... If, what he did in Philadelphia is impressive. I mean, when he, when he took over, um, you know, a neighborhood there and, 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 and transformed it, uh, his, his track record in Philadelphia is is outstanding. Uh, that, hasn't, that hasn't related to here. So I don't want to just only say bad things about Bart Blasting because he has done good things. And, uh, and he's Atlanta kind City. enough to occasionally
2: so, come on this show, which we like, too. So, what, What's that? He's kind enough to occasionally come on this show, which we appreciate as well.
17: Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I don't want to just say he's totally 100. He's not. He's not the Joker here, but he's. Uh, but I'm just skeptical uh, of him in Atlantic City. Uh, he, as good of a businessman as he is. So anyway, so uh, back to uh, the Cardinal on Tennessee Avenue or on uh, New York Avenue, two streets over uh, from us. That was a historic building. And uh, there used to be an old Atlantic City restaurant called Mama Motts in there. And uh, anybody who knows Atlantic City knows Mama Motts It was just this legendary place. Like back uh, when, you you know, people would say, where do you go to dinner? You go to Mama Mots. You go to White House Subs. It was in the same, you go to Tony's Bottom or Grill. It was in the same kind of conversation. So, yeah, you know, we're excited to see an empty building that was a strip club for a while to turn into something exciting. Michael Brennan uh, is a great chef. He's one of the partners there. He had a great restaurant called the Cardinal Bistro and Vendor. So he's moving that restaurant to New York Avenue and then they're gonna build this boutique hotel. Now they've said this for about three or four years, Frank. So again, why are they waiting, right? What what's the what's the hold up? So I think that maybe obviously COVID stops everybody a little bit, but I wanna see progress. I don't wanna I don't want to wait another three or four years if they're gonna do it. I hope they start doing it because I haven't seen any, any building or construction there yet. Uh,
2: tell us what's happening at your place. If people do find themselves in Atlantic City anytime soon, what's going on at Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall?
17: So Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall, we have, uh, you know, great live music every weekend. We have amazing uh, comfort food, pub food. We have the best tap list. In, uh, in South Jersey, we have 40 taps, and we get hard, hard, hard to find beers for all those craft beer drinkers, and we also have great cocktails as well. So I hope people come by. We're going to have a great Mardi Gras event with the Land Jazz Band on Fat Tuesday. Uh, of course, we'll be having doing things for the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, we opened up a brand-new restaurant uh, right next to us. Uh, my partner, Mark Colazo and Lee Sanchez, they opened up a place called Cuzzy's Pizzeria, uh, getting really great reviews and really great Uh, Attention and customers, even in the off season. um, It's pizza and sandwiches, Italian food. And then we have two other businesses right there Rhythm and Spirits, which is kind of an upscale Italian place. And next to us is Bar 32 Chocolate, which is the only place you're going to be able to find chocolate made from the bean in the entire state of New Jersey, plus chocolate cocktails and chocolate desserts and all kind of cool stuff. So, you know, it's not just the beer hall. We've kind of created a little hub of. Uh, of activity and fun and things to do there. And uh, we hope people come check us out for sure. Uh,
2: Overall, would you say you're optimistic about Atlantic City's future or or is it, or are you not yet? Are you pessimistic or are you neither optimistic nor pessimistic? Oh, no, I'm
17: very optimistic. I think that when you see what's happening, particularly in our neighborhood, which they're calling the North Beach right now, we're part of that. uh, You're seeing that the numbers for, uh, say, Hard Rock Resorts and Ocean Casino are very good. I mean, when you look at, Ocean Casino in particular, and how that thing has surged from people wondering if it was going to survive at all, to be in the number three casino in Atlantic City is really a fairy tale story. I mean, this was a $2 billion beautiful building that no one could seem to get a handle on it, and now it's just thriving and doing great, you know, and Borgata's is still the number one casino there in the Marina District, so they're going to be able to keep that up and no, I'm really bullish on on Atlantic City, and when you see projects like ours, and then like you said, the one that's on New York Avenue, it's it's pretty exciting. But Frank, here's my dilemma: we need the city to support buildings like us, and 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 de- different people who come in and spend their money, and not just take city money or not. We we've done all that stuff on Tennessee Avenue with no support from uh, the city or the state. We that was all you know Mark Colazo's funding. So. But since then, they haven't done a damn thing for us there. They haven't put a tree on the street or a, or, a, or any kind of landscaping or fixed the sidewalk or put in additional lights or have done anything. And I think they needed to use us an example on Tennessee and New York Avenue, which we call the Orange Loop from us St. James and New, and, uh, New York, and say, hey, if you come here and spend your money, we're going to show that we're going to support you. We're going to come back and we're going to. Do infrastructure. We're going to make your – we're going to beautify your area so that other developers can say, wow, look at Atlantic City. Look what they do if you go and show that you're going to spend your own money. Well, Frank, they haven't done anything for us there. So we hope that changes, and we hope that uh, they start doing things to beautify our area because – they have a real good opportunity there, and I really think they're blowing it.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, I, I hope uh, they uh, step up in a big way as well. Scott, I will see you the next time. Uh, I'm in Atlantic City, I hope. And in the meantime, anybody that uh, makes their way down there, I hope they'll go check out Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall as well. It's always a great treat to talk to you, Scott.
17: Hey, best to you on that uh, and your beautiful wife and that lovely baby of yours.
2: Thank you very much. And uh, next New Year's Eve Eve, put it in your calendar. We're not taking no for an answer this year. All right, I'll try not to go to Mexico. There you go. Uh, Scott Kronick, uh he is a, a terrific radio talk show host. He's also a reporter for the Press of Atlantic City, or the Director of Entertainment Operations, and the editor of uh, AC Weekly. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight.
1: This is the other side of Midnight with Frank Morano 77 WABC
2: of some cheap sunglasses ZZ Top cheap sunglasses if you ever want to know the bumper music that we play on this program we post that uh, to our Facebook fan group Um, you could join the Facebook fan group by just searching on Facebook Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters, which is basically meant to be a forum for people to discuss this show, things they like about it, things they don't like about it. And uh, sure enough, there's there's an argument over everything on this page because for a while we uh, stopped posting the bumper music and people complained. And then um, yesterday... We, in, in response to yesterday's listing of, of songs, Larry writes, I really don't understand the point of this Daily Post, Frank. Just play the entire song. When listening to the big show at 6, most of the music is like attending a funeral. Very depressing, and Sid steps all over the lyrics. Harry Harrison is probably rolling over in his grave. First of all, Larry, chill out. Second of all, Harry Harrison is not rolling over in his grave. You know why? Because Harry Harrison, above all, was an entertainer. And Sid Rosenberg is an entertainer. And as the old saying goes, real respect's real. So Harry Harrison is not turning over in his grave. And I, I don't think I need... I didn't think I needed to state the obvious, but clearly I do. When Harry Harrison was on WABC, this was a music station. Now... Primarily during the week, it's a talk station. Now, you do get to hear nice music, like the ZZ Top song you just heard. And on the weekend, we have a lot of great musical programming, like Cousin Brucie, like Tony Orlando, like Vinnie Madugno, like Joe Piscopo, uh, Dina Martin, and others. But just chill out. We're not going to play you the whole song. Relax. Uh, But we are looking for more productive conversation starters uh, so, if you want to start a conversation about something we do on the show, don't leave it all to Ellen, Nancy, Svetlana, and Chris. Chris was unhappy that we kept him on hold forty-five minutes yesterday. Sorry about that, Chris. There are days, you know, there are days when you can get right through, and there are days when it takes a while to get through, and people are on hold for a while. Sorry, we'll put you to the front of the line next time. You got to be nice to um, Ryan, and if he gets your name right, then um, then you can uh, hopefully get to the front of the queue. Uh, By the way, if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Morano fan, you can see the video in which we have our contest to win a dinner at Rayo's on April 19th. We are almost sold out of tickets for that. So if you want to uh, participate in that, just go to facebook.com slash Morano fan. I'm toying with we only we don't have many seats, uh, chances available, but I was hoping to do the drawing this weekend. So I was toying with the idea of putting out an email blast with some of our recent podcasts and that video. But I'm reluctant to do it because my email list is so large that I think we're going to be inundated with people who want to buy chances. So the way you could save me from that decision is just watch the video now, which apparently now close to 3,000 people have watched, and uh, buy a couple of boxes now. You could buy up to 10, and then that will save me the decision of whether to – Send out an email blast or not. Meantime, if you want to email me, I will add you to my email list. Uh, One of the things that I'm wrestling with now, and if you have any suggestions on this front, is what to do in terms of my son's godfather. Now, we have settled on a godmother, and Rachel and I are still trying to figure out whether he's going to be baptized in a Catholic church or an Episcopal church where negotiating that. But um, we've narrowed down the godfather list to the final four. So that's what we're trying to figure out. So if you have any suggestions on that front, as well as how I should ask the godfather in waiting. Uh, Speaking of, uh, of naps. Oh, no. Speaking of children, I should say, there's a big debate going on all over the country, including in our backyard in New Jersey, over school start times so we're going to discuss that next Uh, if you want to give a call you can do so at 800-848-9222 that's 800-848-9222 a lot of people think kids especially in high school have to be in bed too early or be in school too early we'll get into that next if you want to comment now's the time until next hour in the words of the great bob barker help control the pet population make sure you get your dog or cat spayed or neutered
1: Apple Media is proud to celebrate 100 years as one of America's most influential radio stations and New York's first.
9: WABC New York
1: and WLIR FM Hampton Bays. From around the world to around the block, this is a WABC 77 Second News Update.
22: Good morning, I'm Bob Brown A Winter Weather Advisory. In effect, we have snow on the way. The forecast coming up, an 11-month-old baby girl shot in the face by a stray bullet in the backseat of a park car with her mother in the Bronx Wednesday night. It happened about 6.45 p.m. near the intersection of East 198th Street and Valentine Avenue. Police say a man nearby began firing at another man with one of the bullets hitting the baby in the cheek. Police say... The baby was taken to St. Barnabas Hospital in critical but stable condition. In a rebuff to former President Trump, the Supreme Court is allowing the release of presidential documents sought by the Congressional Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. The court yesterday rejected a bid by Trump to withhold the documents from the committee until the issue is finally resolved by the courts. The teen who admitted to the stabbing death of New York City college student Tessa Majors has been sentenced to 14 years to life in prison. Cardi B has offered to pay the burial costs for all 17 people killed in a fire in a Bronx high-rise last weekend. Forecast at the Ramsey Miles Weather Center, cloudy overnight, rain showers turning into all snow. Snow could accumulate one to three inches by Thursday morning. Frank Morano on the other side of midnight continues next on 77 WABC. I'm Bob Brown. Remember, the news never stops at WABCradio.com. 77
9: WABC
1: This is the other side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They run in a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
2: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I am Frank Moreno. So there was an article, I think it was originally in the Bergen Record. You could read it at uh, New Jersey, uh, excuse me, com, which is a New Jersey news source. But this is far from a New Jersey story. This is a story that affects every person, every parent, every student in America. And that has to do with the issue of school start times. And in uh, this article by Martha Stoltz on NorthJersey.com, they focus on educators in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and for years, many educators in Ridgewood have believed that there is a big problem. Students are falling asleep in classes, they suffer from anxiety, and they're not always capable of doing well academically. And a lot of the teachers in Ridgewood have believed that there is the solution staring them right in the face. Simply start the school day later for teenagers. But after the Ridgewood School District, which is the largest in Bergen County with 5,705 students, tried to address the issue at two meetings, one on December 1st, one on December 6th, Officials decided the complicated change needed to be better explained to parents and postponed a survey on the topic. I almost can't believe I just read that. I can't believe I just said that. They think the issue needs to be better explained to parents, and they postponed a survey? Think of how crazy that is. The issue is as simple as can be. Should we start school later, yes or no? And we're not talking about making the changes at the snap of a finger willy-nilly. We're simply talking about a survey. What the heck is wrong with just taking a survey of the parents? Should you start school later? Superintendent Thomas Gorman wrote in a letter to parents, the Board of Education requested that we further educate the community about all aspects of this topic and continue to vet the preliminary survey questions. I give up. We are living in a world governed by bureaucracy, and we are living in a world that is built by committee. We're we're evaluating. (laughs) We're continuing to vet the survey questions. Let me do the survey. Here's the question. Should we start school later? Yes or no? So the goal, I think, could not be clearer. Start middle and high school classes at 8.30 a.m. or later. Ridgewood is not alone in recognizing the need to adjust these school schedules so that adolescents can sleep a little bit later. California, God bless them, became the first state in the country to mandate that high school begin no later than 8.30 in the morning. In Michigan, A whole bunch of districts there switched permanently to later start times when the officials saw the benefits of instituting later start times. Pediatricians say that they've known for years that the benefits of later school start times for teenagers are helpful. In fact, this is in the American Academy of Pediatrics. School start times for adolescents. The conclusion of that paper was the following, let me read this to you. Quote, the American Academy of Pediatrics recognizes insufficient sleep in adolescence as a public health issue, endorses the scientific rationale for later school start times, and acknowledged the potential benefits to students with regard to physical and mental health, safety, and academic achievement. In my view, this is a no-brainer. Eight hundred. Eight hundred. 848-WABC. It's not just the American Academy of Pediatrics that wants this. It's the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. It's the American Medical Association. It's the National Parent Teacher Association. And it's the U.S. Surgeon General, most recently. There's a nonprofit devoted to nothing but this. Start School Later. This group, I mean, admittedly, it's a skewed source, but this group, Start School Later, estimates that 43% of public high schools still have starting times before 8 a.m. Think how nuts that is. What are you, eating lunch at 45, 10 o'clock? Now, if you're up right now, whether you're up because you're working, you're up because you can't sleep, you're up because you're driving home from a night on the town, you're up because you're going to work, you're up because you're getting your kids ready for their 5 a.m. start time at high school, What you should understand the importance of... Sleep, And the fact that so many high schools have start times before 8 a.m. is a real problem. And these start times have been getting progressively earlier since the 1950s. Study after study all shows the same thing. Teens do better scholastically, especially poorer kids, with later start times. Better sleep promotes better athletic performance with fewer industry it uh, fewer injuries more sleep makes new drivers less prone to accidents um Tenafly went to later start time three years ago it took them a while to get there but they got there so I really do hope that school districts follow the lead of what they did in California and what they're doing in more and more school districts in Michigan and in Tenafly, and they make it a later school district. Now, why? Why have they not? Why have schools been so slow to respond in the face of all this data, which all says the same thing? Part of it is parents have to align work, school, and child care schedules. Another big problem is uh, sports, uh, there, or, or, and after-school activities. Uh, busing is also a problem. Traditionally, high schools have s- supported an earlier schedule to allow enough daylight to finish outdoor sports practices and games, especially in the fall as the days get shorter. Well, by the way, can I put in another plug for my plan? It's not just my plan. I think everybody with a brain is for this. Uh, my plan of permanent daylight saving time. Boom. Boom lights extend the time that fields are usable if a district can afford them. What about a school that can't afford sport field lights? Well, all right, that's a problem. Let's do, Let's find a way to get funding for those schools so they can afford lights for their school fields. Busing is another challenge. They say that um, they'd have to spend more on busing to accommodate a later start time. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I mean... I don't know if that's the case. They say that's the case. I don't buy that. 800-848-WABC. In your judgment, whether you're a parent or an educator or a student who's now getting up to start your school day, do you think we need later school start times? 800-848-WABC. You know, whenever I brought this issue up in the past, I've been deluged with, commenters that have all said the same thing. Well, these kids got to learn. They're not going to be able to start whatever time they want once they get into the workplace. Let's toughen them up now and get them in school early. That is baloney. That is baloney. The kid, And I remember this from when I was in high school and middle school. You're asleep for the first two periods. You're not learning. Eight hundred eight four eight wabc Patrick is in Roselle. Hello, Patrick.
20: Hi, this is obviously about working mothers, right? And well, you said, uh, how so? Since the fifties, you said it changed since the fifties. Why do we think this is? Oh, so uh, you because think? getting
2: earlier, I because uh, women are working, they can't take the children to school at eight thirty.
20: Do you have another explanation? Yes, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean that, and also, easy teachers, uh, yes, that don't want to get up on time either.
2: Well, wait, but if the lazy teachers don't want to get up on time, why would they be making the school day earlier?
20: Uh, wait, you're, you're talking to the teachers. Oppose this? I mean, wait, wait, wait. My understanding was the teachers wanted this back later too. Well, the union, the teachers' union, not this specific school board.
2: Well, again, I think the the National Parent Teacher Association does because they see that kids are falling asleep at the beginning of the day.
20: Okay, that argument I misunderstood. I misheard. Uh, I thought it was some teachers' union because I'll do anything to spite them. Uh, but more importantly, yeah, this is. I think it's a. This is a problem with uh, not having stay-at-home mothers. Patrick,
2: what right? finds Which you
20: a societal problem? Why are you
2: awake at the moment?
20: I go to bed early. Why don't these people learn how to go to bed early? Well,
2: excellent question. <laughs> really. Excellent question. Here's why. Um, study after study, and it's the. Patrick sounded a little drunk there. That's why I was. Again, I'm hesitant to say that after I got in trouble on the Mark Gastineau issue. Um, but the, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the CDC, the Surgeon General, has published data and cited data which shows that. St- uh, teenagers are biologically hardwired to stay up later and get up later. It's not as if these teenagers are just wasting their whole night uh, playing Fortnite or whatever wh- whatever they play, and and they need to need to sleep later. No, apparently, according to biology, as you get a little older, as you make that transition from childhood to adolescence, your body stays up later and gets up later. You're programmed to do it. You're genetically hardwired to do it. It's it's not as simple as simply planning to go to bed earlier. Besides that, do you see all the good shows that are on? Who wants to miss Billions or Better Call Saul? You can't go to bed too early. You miss all these shows. And you have to catch them on demand. You have to worry about one of the kids at school spoiling the ending to one of these shows. Come on. Be realistic. Eight hundred eight four eight. W-A-B-C. That's 800 848 Joe is in Ron Konkema. Hello, Joe. Hey,
13: Frank. Great show, like usual. I got two uh, things I want to touch on. Uh, one, I agree with you. I think that uh, they start way too early. My daughter's in uh, first year of high school. She's at the bus stop at 610. Right? wife 610
2: oh. in the morning? Yeah,
13: let me finish. Ugh. My wife... Who doesn't have to be at work until eight thirty, has to get up at five fifteen with her to make sure she's up, make sure she's you know getting ready and out the door. Sometimes when it's cold, my wife's going to drive it to the bus stop because it's uh, about a quarter of a mile away from my house. We don't want to standing outside the cold. And uh, yeah, she's going to be at the bus stop at six fifteen. They get her to school, and then she's got a half an hour wait before classes start. And the only reason why, Frank, is because of the busing situation. That's what they tell us. Um, the other subject I wanted to touch on with you was uh, yesterday. I was on hold. We were you were talking about energy, how to do to increase energy, being up at night, your wife.
2: Well no I was talking about I was talking about um, methods to combat seasonal affective disorder, which a lot of people do get depressed and this week, especially this is the worst week of the year for seasonal affective disorder, and I suspect many of our listeners are, are looking for strategies as to how they could beat this back and there were a lot of good strategies somebody suggested a uh, gratitude journal someone else suggested vitamin d supplements someone else suggested uh watching an uplifting movie someone else suggested exercise so there were a lot of good tips mentioned
13: well my my doctor and it's worked I'm 15 years working overnight and i have to admit this time of the year especially after losing both my parents and stuff you get very depressed my doctor suggested the vitamin d and you're going to take it with magnesium because that's what uh sets the uh, vitamin d to start working but he also suggested frank even if it's bitterly cold go for a walk every day even if it's for 15 minutes get outside keep get your blood flowing don't stay in the same doldrums you know staying in the house and get out there and just you know and that really does voice my uh Void my, uh, you know, uh, my energy makes me want to. And I have to also say, Frank, and I know I always say this all the time, the life change team in the last year has really, really given me that energy boost that gets me through the day.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you, Joe. Okay. Uh, Joe, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. By the way, um, let's get a transcript of Joe's call and send it over to Gary Null and make sure we can get all the claims made in uh, Joe's call certified by Gary Null. He doesn't believe in vaccinations, Doesn't believes AIDS can be cured with nutrition, but we want to make sure that we can get get that rec, uh, sanctified by Gary Null. 800-848-WABC. Eli is in Ocean County. Good morning, Eli.
5: Good morning, Frank. It's really a joy to listen to you.
2: That's very kind of you. Thank you, Eli.
5: Um, yeah, I see no reason why schools shouldn't be starting two two hours later. No reason why they have to start at seven o'clock in the morning. Should push the whole school day up two hours. They could end two hours later. No reason why they have to get out so early in the day. You know. Well, and, what
2: about what about the point I just raised that they say it would make it more difficult to have after school activities and sports because of the diminished daylight later in the later in the day?
5: So during the winter, that's certainly a, a good point. In the summer, that I guess that doesn't apply. But then on the other hand, why are you making kids wake up so early if there's really not much of a need for it?
2: Yeah, that's to me, Eli, that I think you nailed it. Uh, You said it a lot better than I ever could. Eight hundred eight four eight W.A.B.C. Pamela is in central New Jersey. Hello, Pamela.
10: Hello. Um, In New Jersey, um, what they do is stagger the time. Uh, The high schoolers get out really early, but the teachers still have to stay The 830 to four o'clock time. So that wouldn't be an issue. And I think the high schoolers should go in later and stay later. I mean, when I went to high school in New Jersey, I was like, man, I could take another class at this time. You know, you're really starting to really, you know, get into it. And the day was over. Uh, So I do believe in a later time start and a later stay. And it would still be within the time zone of four o'clock for sports and everything, because the sports usually start after four anyway, because the coaches and the teachers and the gym teachers can't get off from work until four to coach.
2: All good points, Pamela. And look, let's face it, at the rate we're going, aren't we all soon just going to be playing sports in the metaverse? Aren't we all going to be playing virtual sports by the time the week is out? I mean, come on, that's what that's the direction we're going. We're going towards esports. Everyone's going to be in the multiverse. They'll play baseball in the multiverse, football in the multiverse, lacrosse in the multiverse, and everybody will be doing their thing in the multiverse. And they could have the uh, they could have the daylight be whatever it is, and then you could just adjust it in the multiverse. There you have it. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's say hello to Henry in Manhattan. Hello, Henry. Hi.
23: Good morning. Uh, I think the generalized way to look at it is what are the unintended consequences? And you can't just say, let's take a survey and whatever the answer is we'll go with it. I mean there really needs to be a, a big study. I'm very much in favor of the later uh, time it makes sense, and uh, I'm seventy two now, and I'm an early bird, you know I'm not staying up late, I'm waking up early. And uh just like there's a you know research that shows uh, uh, kids need to sleep later, I'll bet there's research that or it could be research that shows that seniors are happy to be up much earlier.
2: Well, there is research that shows exactly that. Henry, what kind of phone are you speaking to us on?
23: Uh, it's a landline, uh, you know, but uh, a a base station and a wire. Wireless. I don't
2: know what they're called. Oh, it's a cordless phone.
23: A cordless phone,
2: yes. Uh, okay. Uh, the, I think Antonio Meucci had a, uh, had a had a better phone connection than Henry does. There, those cordless phones are horrible. They're horrible. They do not work. Uh, give me. You know what I use when I do radio interviews, or really just when I'm home and making calls. You call me on my mobile phone. You will hear the same thing every time. Hey, let me call you right back right? And I call you back from a landline. It's a wired landline. I mean, it's all sort of internet-based, but you, you plug it in to the wall, comes out of the wall, or at least out of the internet router, and then there's a, a base that's attached. This cordless phone stuff, there's way too much interference. Don't use these cordless phones, in my judgment. 800 848 Ted is in Forest Hills. Hello, Ted.
16: Hey, hi. Always love your show. Thank you uh, I wanted to say when I went to Forest Hills High School, there was 10th, 11th, eleventh twelfth grade, but all three grades could't fit in the building at once, so we went from like uh, eight thirty to twelve thirty and then uh, uh, then a new section would come in from twelve thirty to five o'clock. boy, would you get out in the dark and one from like nine to three. And, and that was a situation, uh, at least at the school I went to. I think the big city schools have too many uh, students to fit in the building at once.
2: You might be right. Overcrowding in school was a problem when I was uh, in school as well, but – at the rate we're going, Ted, where Americans are having fewer and fewer children, eventually that's a problem that will solve itself, because we have these big school buildings meant to accommodate thousands of kids, and yet we're seeing zero population growth, in some cases negative population growth. It's certainly negative population growth when you subtract immigration from the equation. 800 848 Robert is in New Jersey. Hello, Robert. Good
15: morning, Frank. At least in New Jersey, the problem is with delivering kids to school. The bus companies have to go from high school to middle school to elementary school. So the three schools have three different admission times. And that's like my wife picks up the high school students at 6.30 in the morning, and they're in school by 7 o'clock, and then she has to go to middle school, and then she goes to uh, little kids' school.
2: Well, I, I, that's way too early. Look, I, I don't dispute that that's a problem, and that's mentioned in this article on NorthJersey.com that uh, the they're expecting eighty to hundred thousand dollars more in school bus costs, and I'm not trying to diminish that. But there's got to be some ways to figure that out. Maybe having middle school students and um, high school students on the same bus. I don't know if that is something, but look, I get. Thank you for the call, Robert. Um, And I'm glad your wife is a school bus teacher. My sister-in-law, Sarah, is a school bus teacher now as well. A big shortage of jobs for school bus teachers. So they are hiring in a big way. But um, there's got to be some ways to figure it out. I get what Henry's saying and what some of the other callers are saying, that there's a lot of unintended consequences of this. I understand that. Let's figure it out. We've been working at this for 10 years, more, more than that. I feel like we've been talking about this for 30 years. But there's serious academic research going back 10 years that says indisputably, indubitably, the benefits of a later school start time scholastically, academically, and in terms of sports is real. And yet here we are still futzing around with these 7.30 start times. Got to end. Got to end. Got to end. Meantime. You know what else I hope ends? This vicious cycle of inflation that we're on right now. Inflation is the worst that it's been in 40 years. Do you see it getting better? I don't. We used to print money. Now we digitally create money out of thin air. Now, when you digitally create money out of thin air, do you think that's something that's likely to make inflation better or worse? Of course, the answer is worse. So what do you do about it? Well, you need to take some steps to secure your own financial security. Gold. Gold, silver, precious metals. That's where legacy precious metals comes in. These guys are the gold experts, and they can help you. Move some of your money into gold, particularly if you've got a traditional retirement account. Let's face it, if you've got a traditional retirement account, that money is being eaten away right under your nose. The solution, roll it into a gold or a silver-backed IRA. Gold should really really be a part of every investor's portfolio, and Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation so contact legacy precious metals today write this number down please 866-932-0635 that's 866-932-0635 or you can visit legacypminvestments.com that's legacypminvestments.com you can request some free information on there and when you do i hope you will tell them you heard about it from me frank morano all right it's the moment you've all been waiting for In just a moment, we are going to give one lucky, lucky person an opportunity to answer 10 questions in one minute for $1,000. If you answer nine questions correctly in one minute, you're going to win $500. And as decreed by our boss, John Katsimatidis, even if you only answer eight questions correctly in one minute, you will still win $100. I have made these questions super easy. You should be able to get every single one. There's no trick questions. There are no super difficult questions. If you have a brain, if you can spell the word cat without me spotting you the C and the T, then be the seventh caller right now to 1-800-848-9222. If you've not participated in the contest before, 1-800-848-9222. The $1,000 minute straight ahead. music that'll get you going, that'll psych you up to start your day, even if you are waking up for school at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, Eye of the Tiger, a classic if ever there was one. This is The Other Side of Midnight. All it's time for one lucky, lucky person to try their hand at answering 10 questions within 60 seconds. It's time for...
1: The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank
2: Murano. And let's meet today's contestant, Edie, in Manalapan, New Jersey. Hello there, Edie. Hi, good morning, Frank. Good morning. Have we
6: spoken before, Edie? Um, you know, I don't think so. I don't
7: think so. Not with you, but I love your show, Frank. And oh. originally I'm from Staten Island. Well, of so course, Frank that's what I was going to say.
2: Everybody in Manalapan is from <laughs> Staten Island. Uh, Absolutely. And, and there's um, there's generally two places that you move from Staten Island. You either move to Manalapan or Marlboro. Usually, if you're Jewish, you move to Marlboro. If you move to and if you're Gentile, you move to Manalapan. There you go. You got it in a nutshell. That's right. Uh, so uh, I like Manalapan. I have a lot of friends there, obviously, because every single person I grew up with moved to either Manalapan or Marlborough. All right, Edie, so since you're familiar with the show, you know uh, you know how it works, right? Yes. Okay. So if you answer a question correctly, I'm going to just move on to the next question. Answer. T- I'm really rooting for you here, and these are e- easy questions, so don't overthink it. They're not trick questions. Uh, just take a second to think, and then uh, and then answer your question, and then I'll move right on to the next one. I'll start the timer as soon as I finish asking the first question. You ready to go? I am ready. Thank All right, Edie. Okay. What does sunscreen prevent? Sunburn. Who is the current Queen of England? Queen Elizabeth. Who played Vito Corleone in the film The Godfather? Uh, Al
7: Pacino.
2: I'm sorry, Edie. It was Marlon Brando. Marlon Damn. Brando. He uh, won the Academy Award for that role, uh, although he didn't accept it. He gave it to sosheen Littlefeather. Uh, and uh, take uh, Edie's information. I like her. We've got to send her something nice. Um, sosheen Littlefeather, by the way, if you go – if you look up me and YouTube, if you go to my YouTube page, which you could find by uh, searching Morano Vision, the most watched video that I've ever done on any subject is my interview. And it was just an audio interview, but we just th- threw it up on YouTube with uh, – A photo. The most watched video that I've ever done is my interview with Sachin Littlefeather seven years ago. This was during the Oscars So White controversy. And uh, that interview has now been viewed on YouTube some extraordinary amount of times. I'm going to tell you how many times it was. But it's an interview worth checking out. So you could search Frank Morano and Sachin Littlefeather. That's now got over 65,000 views. 65,000 views. The only thing that's even close to that is a video um, that I posted of my father's mailbox being destroyed by an Amazon delivery person. So so Edie, is, uh, we're going to send her a cap or something. By the way, those of you that have been clamoring for new merchandise in the WABC radio store that has to do with this program, you are in luck. Because we have all sorts of cool stuff now, let me tell you about some of the items that we that we now have. OK? This is great. I don't even have this stuff, and if anybody is looking for a a cool gift for me, this would not be a bad idea, because there is some great stuff. now it's a new logo that was largely designed by our producer, Molly. There is now a the other side of midnight sweatshirt there is now a the other side of midnight water bottle there is now a the other side of midnight um here i'll tell you i'll tell you the whole kitten caboodle here uh, the other side of midnight short sleeve shirt a an embroidered backpack a crew neck sweatshirt a fleece blanket a stein a beer stein so if you want to listen to the show with frank and stein You can keep me up, keep the radio up loud, and drink beer from the Stein. And given some of the callers we get, some of you are drunk right now, a a, The Other Side of Midnight stainless steel water bottle. Uh, And I want to request a flask in the future. A The Other Side of Midnight travel mug. I don't know how we did this, but there is now a panoply of merchandise available for purchase at very affordable prices. So if you want to get this... Um, you can go to wabcradiostore.com. Now, if you search Morano, that doesn't come up. Only the short sleeve t-shirt that says Frank Morano comes up, the embroidered unstructured hat comes up and the other side of midnight hat comes up. Then I decided to try and search the other side of midnight in the at com, and the only thing that comes up is the cap. But now you can still purchase This other stuff. Here to tell you how to easily access this merchandise is our producer, Molly. Molly, how do folks find this cool merchandise?
24: I was wondering why I was here for a minute, but... That's right. Well, inform us. (laughs) Okay, so um, the Instagram page, which I'm sure everybody already follows, but if you don't follow it already... uh, Hold on, let me pull up the... uh, so it's 77 W-A-B-C-O-S-O-M. On Instagram. On Instagram. And there's a link in the bio there? Link in bio.
2: And they can click that and everything that I just mentioned, the coffee mug, the travel mug.
24: Even the stein.
2: The stein, it's all available on there. Yes. Now, can I say one thing? I lo- you designed this logo?
24: I uh, had the idea. I drew a sketch and then I had somebody much more, or I didn't. Well, it's but very good. It's Somebody kind of like much a, more talented. How would
2: you describe this? It's a truck stop sign. It's a truck stop sign. It's really neat. I like it. My Here's my, and I didn't notice this until just now. They have my name on some of this, which is great, but it should be like it was with Rush where it's my actual signature. It should be my signature on the mug rather than just Frank Morano written in what looks like kind of Comic Sans well, font. I
24: wish you said something before we I,
2: launched. I, I, yeah, well, <laughs> is it too late to, to change that to a signature? Honestly,
24: the way... So you were saying that you didn't know how we were able to provide our merch at the prices that we do because there's so many options. Um, but luckily, our wonderful team has... Made it so that we're not creating extra waste by having products that we haven't sold yet. Made um, to order. So, yeah, it's uh, made to order. It's on demand.
2: So can we get a my signature on future on-demand products? Yes. All right. So I think we should do that. We should also
24: – I just had another idea. Let's hear it. Uh, so your signature, right? Right. And you also seal letters with – notoriously – I thought you were doing something much worse in here when I saw you with a lighter – and smoke coming out right. you were I,
2: I seal letters with a
24: wax yes. seal that's true yeah and i didn't know what that was at first and i was very concerned wow <laughs> um, but clearly you're just you're just writing letters um so the seal and your signature on a shirt you know that's good i like that that's I good i mean or another um, side of midnight letter sealer you know we
2: should also have we should too have too many options we should have Uh, One, we should have a flask because, as you can tell, a lot of the people listening are are drunk as it is.
6: Love you, but lay off the schnapps.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rita. Uh, And we should also have a Swiss Army knife to celebrate the fact that uh, Switzerland no longer has a monopoly on Gruyere cheese. We should make an American-made Swiss Army knife.
24: Also, because I just I just know our listeners are industrious as hell. They are.
2: They are industrious. You have to be industrious
24: to be awake right
2: now. That's right. All right. So if you don't, so give us the Instagram again. If people want to link to all these great products or find all these great products, give us the Instagram again.
24: Get your pen out. Seven seven W A B C O S O M. If you can't remember it, it's the station let uh, number, the station call letters, and then the acronym of the show.
2: Now, uh, thank you, Molly. That'll be all. If um, you don't have Instagram, you can go. It's a little more complicated. And this you are going to have to write down. I'm going to link to You know what? I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page as well. At facebook.com/moranofan. That's Facebook.com slash fan. That's Facebook.com slash fan. If you um, use the discount code FRANK15, you will save 15% on this. So I just linked to it. Facebook.com slash fan. So if you have Facebook, use the Facebook link. If you have Instagram, use the Instagram link. If you have neither Facebook nor Instagram, then um, it's more difficult. But you can go to WABCRadioStore.com slash product dash tag slash Frank dash Morano. See, that's a little more complicated. The best thing you can do. Just go to Facebook.com slash MoranoFan and just click the link or go to the Instagram page there, 77 WABC OSOM. Now, if you go over to WABCRadio.com, there's a lot of interest there in this story there about Dr. Anthony Fauci. And there's this poll question regarding Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, Dr. Fauci has been in his job for many years, and he served many different presidents, Biden, Trump, Obama. Bush, uh, Clinton, Bush, Reagan, the list goes on and on. And since the beginning of the Cats Roundtable, seven or eight years ago, yeah, it was April of 2014, so it was eight years ago, Dr. Fauci has been a regular guest on the Cats Roundtable. And during Ebola, during Zika, during COVID. And right as COVID was starting to become a thing, Dr. Fauci was on the Katz roundtable in January of 2020. John had an exclusive interview with him. And this is what Dr. Fauci told John Katsimatidis on the subject of the coronavirus.
13: The American people should not be
2: worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. How much did Dr. Fauci really know? about COVID prior to that conversation in January of 2020. Go to wabcradio.com for the details about what he said to John Katsimatidis. And we want to know what you think about what he knew, positive or negative. Vote in our poll, wabcradio.com. And did Dr. Fauci know more than he let on? Your thoughts do matter. So go to wabcradio.com. All right. Um, In the meantime, I will tell you that um we are gonna do fifteen seconds of fame coming up coming up in about fifteen minutes. And uh you know what I am just I know we I talked about the story when it was decided, but I am just so ticked off at the situation involving the Theodore Roosevelt statue here in New York. And I know everybody's gonna talk about it. And everyone's going to say on this station the same thing. But this is the kind of thing that has bothered me all day. Theodore Roosevelt was my favorite president. He's my, probably my favorite historical figure. And um, to think that his statue is going to be is, – is being removed, was removed yesterday. In front of the New York City American Museum of Art. Because some people found the depiction offensive. Because it was indicative of colonialism and racism. It it makes me sick. I, I really hate this. And it's costing... A, we're moving it to North Dakota. It's being sent to his presidential library in North Dakota. Good. I'm glad it's being sent somewhere where people will appreciate it. But... It's costing the city of New York, the city taxpayers, millions of dollars to move this statue to North Dakota. Millions. This is a statue which has not done anything to harm people for the 80 years that it's been sitting there, that's been standing there in front of the museum. And now we're spending millions to transport it to North Dakota. To me, this strikes me as incredibly ir- idiotic, and uh, it really ticks me off. I I have to tell you. But what do I know? Um, we're gonna do fifteen seconds of fame in just a second, and um, you know we'll do some other things as well. If you want to start queuing up for fifteen seconds of fame, you could do so eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Um, Maybe somebody can make a musical about Theodore Roosevelt and make it a hip-hop musical so that we can keep the remaining Theodore Roosevelt statues. Unbelievable. If I'm ever mayor, I'm going to try and get that statue back. All right. As Joe from Ronkonkoma told you earlier, a great way to beat back the winter blues is Life Change Tea. Life Change Tea is a phenomenal product. And you might be asking yourself, all right, you've heard Frank talk about it. You've heard Joe from Ron Konkoma talking about it. What exactly is Life Change Tea? Life Change Tea is a gentle daily cleanse that cleanses you from the inside out. If you're constipated, you won't be anymore. All the junk that we are putting into our bodies on a regular basis, you won't have to worry about Well, I don't want to say it's a license to put pollutants into your body because it's not. But it is something that will help. It'll give you a ton of energy. It'll remove the free radicals that we're putting into your body and into mine. It'll give you energy without caffeine and it'll relieve you from constipation. Now, there's also a lot of other great products at GetTheTea.com. GetTheTea.com, promo code FRANK, will help you um, with whatever your health ailments are, energy, immune system, whatever it is. You will be able to find some uh, supplements that are to your liking, even if it's just plain old regular vitamins. And whatever you choose to order, use the promo code FRANK. Because if you use the promo code FRANK, you will get to enjoy free shipping. So go to GetTheTea.com, try the tea, try some of the other great products, load up, and you'll get to enjoy all this stuff with free shipping if you use the promo code FRANK. GetTheTea.com, it's the tea that makes you go, promo code FRANK.
1: Start your morning with Frank Morano on 77 WABC.
2: side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. <clears throat> if you would like to uh, queue up for 15 Seconds of Fame, you can be poised to uh, dial in at uh, 800-848-9222. You know, I mentioned yesterday as we were talking about uh, seasonal affective disorder and um, that and that, uh, the role that the sun plays and vitamin D. That, um, I dated m- many years ago, about twelve years ago, a beautiful Lithuanian woman, you know, briefly, it was nothing serious, but you know, she' was a nice girl, I liked her a lot, and um we we didn't go out for very long, but as our relationship was ending, um you know not for any reason, we just sort of drifted apart with different interests and so forth. You know, I have a very bad habit of not being able to say no to people, right? I say yes to everything. And you see this at the workplace. You know, they ask me to do anything throughout any job I've ever had. I almost always say yes, without even thinking. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and it leads, it's a big problem, because it leads me to getting overcommitted from time to time. So uh, I, my day is filled with me trying to fulfill obligations that I have a tough time with. So anyway, uh, Gita was this woman's name. As Gita and I, it was short for Yorgita, As Yorgita and I uh, were kind of drifting apart, she said to me, I, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Sure. What do you want? Well, you. May-, she said, you mentioned to me that I was very wise and that I was one of the wisest people that you've ever met before. And uh, I said, yes, that's true. And she writes something down for me. She said, um, this is the key to my wisdom. And I I think what she wrote down was something called personal dynamics. And she said, this is a group that has helped me a lot. And I want you to go and go to this one meeting. It's free. Just go. You don't have to do anything after that. I think you'll really benefit from it. And it might not have been called personal dynamics. I I don't remember uh, what it was called, but it was something like personal dynamics. It might have been social dynamics or something, you know. So I go to this meeting, and there's group exercises. There's all sorts of things in here. It's uh, all about being a better communicator and better uh, achieving your goals. I mean, all good things. But and, And by the way, Gita was not even at this meeting. She sent me into a room full of strangers. And uh, it's all sorts of good things. But I'll tell you, there was something weird about this. And I can't really say why, because everyone was nice. Uh, But there was something about this meeting that felt very cult-like. I mean, it felt like a cult recruiting thing, almost like Scientology. And um, I was, uh, you know, okay, it was a good two hours that I spent there. And I sort of went on with my life. And then it's funny, you know how Google can predict what items you're going to look up? Like if you if you type in in Google um, someone's name but don't hit enter, it brings you what people are looking for. Like if you type in my last name, my name, Frank Moreno, without hitting enter, it – says Frank Morano WABC, Frank Morano Podcast, Frank Morano Wife, Frank Morano WABC Age, Frank Morano WABC Wife, Frank Morano Baby, Frank Morano Twitter, Frank Morano Longtime Companion, Frank Morano Wikipedia, which I still don't have one. But um, this thing was, if you were to type in, let's call it personal dynamics, if you were to type in is personal dynamics, one of the first things that came up was is personal dynamics a cult? So I'm not saying this group was a cult, but a lot of people thought that it was. And uh, it struck me recently because I was thinking a lot about Lyndon LaRouche. And I'm wondering, like, Lyndon LaRouche legitimately was a political cult leader. And there's one of his supporters, one of his cult members, that's now running for U.S. Senate here in New York. Her name's Diane Sayre. And I just wonder, how do cults start? How do people join cults? I want to do a future show on that because in my case, I, I don't want to say I was almost recruited, but I the first step in this recruitment was a pretty girl asking me to attend a meeting. So I'm wondering if that's part of their strategy um, or if there's something more there. We'll do that whole thing in a future show because uh, it's something I never have got. The whole Lyndon LaRouche thing, I've never really – understood how he was able to build such a big organization and then get millions of dollars in donations every year for all his runs for president, in spite of the fact that there was a virtual blackout of him by the major media. And you just I guess that's the nature of a cult. All right. um, Coming up at 5 a.m., you're going to get to hear the W.A.B.C. early news. I am sure they're going to be Focusing again on this uh, Anthony Fauci situation, where there's a wabcradio.com article on that, and then uh, you're going to get to hear the Bernie and Sid show uh, at 6 a.m. and uh, it's an action-packed of the uh, action-packed edition of the Bernie and Sid show. Doctor Mark Siegel is going to be on, Bill O'Reilly is going to be on, Sean Spicer is going to be on, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other surprises as well. But Now it's your turn to be heard at least for 15 seconds. You want to email me, by the way, if you didn't get through on the phones, you can do so at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's uh, frank.m-o-r-a-n-o at wabcradio.com. And again, if you want to watch that video about how to win that Rayo's dinner on April 19th, you can go to my Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash moranofan and see the video. All right. uh, It is now time for... The Other Side
1: of Midnight, this is 15 Seconds of Fame.
2: Fame. Let us begin with Mike in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Hello, Frank. Like
12: crime in the subway, the other side of midnight might be a perception. For the last year and a half, we might have been listening to just a perception. Methinks not.
2: Sam is in Woodside.
12: Cheer
20: up. You have a whole life of misery ahead of you
2: still had 10 more seconds there. Chuck is in Bayside.
8: Yes, one of these days I'm going to get through for the $1,000 because I've been answering everything correctly, and I would love to sit with you for the John Wayne Marathon whenever you're ready.
2: Hey, hey, I'd love to do that. If we can make it a listener event, that would be a lot of fun. Neil on Staten Island. I'm sitting at home with nowhere
12: to go. A naked Sophia of a rang my bell to say hello. I said, oh, my God, you can't come in and have to go because I'm still listening to the Frank
2: Murano Show. 800-848-9222. Kirk is in Freeport. Hey,
13: Frank, I just want to congratulate the new boy Carmine. Uh, quick, quest, uh, quick question. What
2: do you call an American beat? I give up. A U.S. beat. <laughs> <laughs> not bad, not bad. Pablo in Piscataway. It's that away.
16: way Read the Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Machine. By Richard Blasberg at TwistedJusticeCNN.com. Janine Pierce, an Arab criminal and fraud is in the innocent New York City Cup, to prison.
2: 800-848-WABC. Evelyn is in Bayonne. Frank, good morning. Regarding that personal dynamics, buyer beware. Look up
10: LifeSpring on Google. I did it. I did the first program. Worst thing I ever did. It is like a cult, if it's anything like LifeSpring. And it's very subtle, the way they pull you in.
2: Very interesting. Good thing I uh, didn't go to a second meeting. Cheech in Howard Beach.
10: Philip Banks knows
11: where the bones are buried. He's a good man.
2: Pete on Staten Island. They removed the te- uh, Teddy Roosevelt statue. What's going to be next? They're going for Columbus? now. Joe Piscopo and me will be out there with uh, everybody, and he ain't moving Pete wow. in Port Washington. Sizzle morons. John Vito on Staten.
14: Island.
2: Spectacular! Frank, looks Frank.
14: When was the last time he asked me for a cup of lifetime tea? <laughs> you don't ask for respect. you don't offer friendship, it's Sarah. You don't even think to call me Godfather, but you want a Godfather.
2: That is actually uh, Rob Bartlett. Rob in Manhattan, hello. Silver is the best
14: investment.
11: If you don't buy so to so buy gold, buy ants.
2: And finally, Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry.
14: Uh, they should also change their name now to the Museum of American Museum of Unnatural History, because if we become untethered from the past, we cut ourselves off from the future. The past, present, and future are all interrelated.
2: All right. Well said. Thank you, Larry. All right, uh, stay tuned for the 77 WABC early news where uh, – is my business report going to be heard during the early news as far as we know, Molly? Once you record it. Well, okay, so I, I will be. I've been doing a business report that's airing throughout the day, and it will be heard next hour as well. Uh, so for those of you Moranaholics out there that can't bear to be – Without the sound of my voice for more than 19 hours, you won't have to be. Just stay tuned to the 77 WABC Early News for the Frank Moreno Business Report, where I have insight into all sorts of things. It's written by Frank Diaz, so hopefully it's insightful. Uh, The WABC Early News is next. Bernie and Sid coming up at at 6. I'll be back at 1 a.m. for Ask Frank Anything, a two-hour edition. So get your questions ready. And uh, we'll also have, of course, denunciations as we do each and every Friday. Frank Moreno, good day.